Hello and good day, beautiful, marvelous, fantastic podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing. I am sending you all of my prayers, well wishes, and good vibes your way. We have an absolutely phenomenal episode of the show for you today. We have Todd Wetzelberger on. He is a whistleblower. He went directly after the big banks. Um, you know, his story is truly outstanding. He's a man of character. Um, this is one of those episodes that's getting censored and black listed and all that kind of thing. So um, we discuss a lot here. We talk about Todd's journey. We talk about how the banking system works. We talk about law, sovereignty, freedom. Um, We talk about so many different things in this episode. It's really a must listen, a must share. This guy has been in the trenches. He really knows what he's talking about. We talk about solutions for ourselves and invoking our freedom and also building a better world. So like I said, uh, we cover so many different topics in this uh, from real life experience from Todd and what, and then he also shares, you know, you know, he went after the big banks. He was, he brought his uh, findings and evidence and proof to the FBI, the CIA. They wouldn't listen. Um, you know, he talks about getting out of the system and how we can do that and, uh, you know, why he stopped doing his work and now why he's jumping back in because, you know, he, he sees how the system works and he's like, you know, it's time for me to jump back in because, you know, it's so necessary. And, uh, he has a telegram freedom and free markets where he actually shows you how you can create a trust. It's incredibly valuable. Um, and, and so many other things. So I highly recommend this show. Please share it as far and as wide as you can, because it's one of those that's getting me censored and blacklisted. If you don't know that Patreon is telling me that I need to delete episodes or they're going to delete me. So Patreon is uh, probably going to be going. So if you want to support the show, go to mattbelair.com, um, sign up, become a member. You can contribute by donation or even for free if you need it. Um, that's where you're going to be able to stay in touch and get uncensored episodes. Uh, the best way to stay in touch. Also go to Telegram and uh, and Rockfin. I'm on Odyssey. So I'm everywhere I can to keep getting the word out. But, uh, you, you know, reviews, shares, all of those things are incredibly important at this time and are very appreciated. The best way to support this show, as always, is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. And for those of you guys who are really interested in uh, working on one-on-one or in a group and you're seeing serious about knowing your life purpose, your vocation. You want to be around empowering community. You want to dive deep into tools and um, strategies for peak performance, for knowing and living your life purpose, for making a difference on this planet with a very supportive community that's going to help you keep accountable in a, in a coaching slash mastermind scenario. Hit me up, Matt at zenathlete.com. Uh, we can put you through the Soul Compass course. We can get you applied to the Atomic Alchemy group, or we can do one-on-one coaching. I'd love to work with you. Or we can go through the heart, uh, quantum heart hypnosis. Uh, you can get those audios uh, on the website, or we can do a one-on-one session. But everything is geared around knowing and living your vocation, your life purpose, who you came here to to be and how you um, can navigate these challenging times with purpose, courage, empowerment, and not get sucked into the fear, but also be around like-minded community. So would love to hear from you. And if that's something that's interesting or you're interested in it, go to mattbaylair.com forward slash coaching, fill out that form. Would love to hear from you. So uh, that's it. Thank you for listening. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, courage, inspiration, strength, and ready to enjoy this absolutely phenomenal episode with Todd Wetzelberger. 
Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming the extreme censorship alongside many other truth seekers out there. If you want to support this show and get uncensored episodes, go to mattbelair.com, sign up, become a member. You can do that by donation or even free if you email me, matt at zenathlete.com. You can also check Telegram out, uh, t.me forward slash mattbelair, and do what you can to get the word out there. But most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest has been a real estate investor for the past two decades. His $3 million business was wiped out by Hurricane Katrina 14 years ago. While rebuilding his business in a different city, the global financial crisis occurred. That led him down a path as a whistleblower and accidental litigator. He lived to tell about it and is finishing his book recounting lessons learned after 25 years in the trenches. Welcome to the show, Todd Wetzelberger. Hey, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, you know, we were both on Disclosed TV on Telegram. I didn't even know it was like a, a, you know, that you could do that on Telegram. They had this radio show going and you spoke after, you know, we did a talk and I listened to your story and I was thinking, holy smokes, like this guy had such an incredible experience and balls of steel for, you know, what you did. And so, you know, it's, it's great to have you on the show. And I really liked how, um, you know, you kind of shared some of the darker stuff that was going on, but you're also very solutions based, you know, because I think most people, they can't wrap their head around how this system works. You know, they're so entrenched in it, like the matrix. Um, and it can be very scary when you're waking up to that, um, because it is true. It is what it is, and it is not a good thing. But at the same time, there are solutions um, that we can do as a community, as a humanity to overcome this situation that we're in. And so I just love to um, welcome you to the show and, and get you to share a little bit about your background and what you went through and how you came to know all the things that you know. Sure, sure. And I'll, I'll try to, um, you know, we talked before the show, try to do as much as I can to, to I know it's an overused phrase, bring value, but really try to focus on if there's questions, you have questions, really do the story. But you said, you know, if you want to interject, feel free to stop me anytime if you think something's helpful. And then I had that link to my uh, Telegram channel with resources, and I'll put some more up there as well. And I'll share as much as I can, man. And I'm free, you know, as long as you need me. So, um, yeah, so, so pretty much I, I'm, I'm just a guy, I'm just a regular guy, right? It's like you and everybody else, uh, wife, kids, um, been a real estate investor. And uh, we were living in New Orleans and I'll kind of go the, the four different like data points here, how I ended up being a, a whistleblower was surely by chance. If it wasn't for Hurricane Katrina, um, it, it, I'd just be, we probably wouldn't even be talking. You know, I, I might've been awoke, awake, but um, it was by sheer coincidence that a hurricane whipped out our business. And Prior to that, we were living in New Orleans because I used to work in the oil field. Years ago, I used to be a deep sea diver and did underwater construction and worked in the oil field. And, and you know, you can only do that when you're young. And I had planned on transitioning out of that, that you know, job. And luckily, I got out of it with all my fingers and toes. And um, I'd always been a real estate investor, and that was the plan. So we were there. We're in the middle of uh, three condo conversions. We did a ton of historic redevelopment, had about 80 rental units, a um, bunch of rehabs. And then Katrina wiped it out overnight. And that was about two years before the 08 crash. And we almost lost everything. The insurance companies didn't want to pay the claims. Um, they, we, my wife had to fight for about two and a half years to get all the insurance claims paid because they would give you, say, $5,000 on a $10,000 roof. And like, well, I can't take that. And 
um, that it was a fight. Every, every, almost every insurance claim was a fight. And uh, Louisiana has no um, monopoly on corruption, but it was, they, they, down there when I used to get shaken down for bribes and building inspectors, they actually had a word for it. It's called tipping. Like there's actually a word for it. Yeah. And that's a whole different, whole different topic for a different time. But they, they, they mastered the art of like shake, shakedowns down there. And I had projects shut down and I, I went toe to toe with a bunch of building inspectors even before Katrina hit. So I'm no stranger to confrontation and not that I like a fight, but if somebody fucks with me, I'm <laughs> not going to back down and go looking for a fight. So anyway, um, Katrina hit, um, we burned through about 300 grand. Um, writing checks on vacant damaged properties, just writing checks every month. Um, and my, I should listen to my wife. She's like, we got to stop doing this. I said, no, we have to. Um, the insurance companies will eventually pay. So like, we burned through all the resources, almost lost everything. And that's when I had to do my own workouts. I never heard of a loan mod or a modification or workouts. We never had financial issues before. Like I said, we burned through almost you know $300,000 um, writing checks on vacant damaged properties. And went to all the typical Louisiana insurance commission. They couldn't help the last four of those guys were in jail for extortion and bribery. So, you know, you go to FEMA cause we used to, here's an example. You make a claim. It's like, Hey, I got this 10 unit rooming house. There's a Ford Explorer kind of sitting on my roof between there and a palm tree. Can you just pay the fucking claim? And like, ah, that wasn't wind damage. It was water damage. So you make the claim on the FEMA policy. Oh, that wasn't water damage. That was wind driven rain. Right. So that's kind of an example of a real life example of like what they would do to not, you know, insurance companies are, they don't want to pay the claims. So, um, so anyway, a couple of years later, uh, money, all the money ran out. We're writing checks on vacant properties, ten, twenty thousand dollars a month on projects. And uh, thank God, uh, a public adjuster who is a storm chaser, they work for you, not the insurance company, was actually renting our house because we'd evacuate it. And if it wasn't for him, we would have lost everything. He's like, hey, I'll take all your claims. Um, anything over and above what the insurance company pays, I get a third of. And I said, done. And he saved us. He literally because he got all the insurance claims paid and. I never heard of one of a public adjuster before. So when we got in, you know, so ran out of resources, had to start doing workouts in our properties and doing loan mods and do workouts with the banks so we didn't lose everything. Then the market crashed, right? Because that was like 05, 06, market crash in 08. Um, and then I started doing loan modifications for people because I had to do them myself. People came to me, I got really good at it just by, I have a finance background as well. Um, started doing loan mods and figure out the loan mods were a racket as well. Um, I mentioned that in that disclosed TV chat, if anybody has a finance background, there's a term called net present value. And all that's fancy for is, can the bank make more money modifying your loan if you lost your job and you, you can't pay your, your house note? Or do we make more money foreclosing? And the real answer is we make more, more money foreclosing, but we'll run you through this, this scam saying we're going to do loan mods and if anybody remembers back in the day, we lost your paperwork and, oh, don't worry, you're in the pipeline. And, you know, six months later, like, hey, sorry, Mr. Jones, you know, your loan mod didn't work out. And, oh, by the way, the sheriff's coming next week to kick you out of your house. Like, and I'll get into that with the, the whistleblowing part. This is, so I didn't know this. I was just a real estate guy. I thought the world was kind of, as it seemed, had no idea about all, I'll, you know, get into it in a minute. Most people on this call probably understand what I'm talking about. So anyway, I found out loan mods were a scam. And that was when Countrywide was around before they got sold to Bank of America. And that led me to digging into the Wall Street fraud. I said, wait a minute, something's not right here. They're doing mass foreclosures. Um, I've been a, I've been an investor. I've been a, been a private lender. I've loaned money. I've had to do evictions. But we always treated people with dignity and respect. We never tossed our shit out on the curb. But I was like, something's not right here. So I started digging and found out Wall Street was committing massive uh, REMIC fraud. It's real estate mortgage investment um, or uh, conduit, REMIC, R-E-M-I-C, um, REMIC fraud, which is basically securities fraud. 
pension fraud. I mean, if you remember in 08, if you guys were around, um, they wiped out about a trillion dollars in uh, um, real estate value. I mean, I mean uh, stock market value. Most people's pensions were wiped out. So they committed pension fraud, um, securities fraud, and then the foreclosure fraud. That was to basically launder all the fraud. They had to foreclose on these properties because, and I'll get into this in a little bit, not too technical, but they had to do the foreclosures because they were committing essentially uh, mortgage securities fraud and they had to foreclose to like launder the note. And I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. So I found all this stuff out, digging, digging, put together um, a bunch of evidence. Um, and I said, I'm going to go to the authorities, right? I wasn't naive, but I thought, you know, surely the DOJ, FBI is going to be interested in this because I'm 53 and I've been through a couple of market cycles in the 89, 90 crash. A lot of the SNLs have failed. If you guys are old enough to remember, a lot of those people went to jail. A lot of the heads of the SNLs, you know, savings and loans back then actually did face justice. So I'm thinking, you know, these guys are going to face justice. Anyway, um, went to the FBI, the Baltimore field office in Baltimore, Maryland in the U.S., um, total waste of time. Uh, I went to the SEC, IRS, attorneys general, multiple states, judges, special prosecutors. And they all said, you know, like, sorry, can't help you. And, um, and that's when I got pissed. I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to expose this myself. If none of the, if all the agencies are, I didn't know what a captured agency meant back then, but all these agencies, as most people listening know, they're captured, right? Our entire government's been captured. Um, so I went looking for attorneys and I said, hey, I'm going to litigate some of these cases with foreclosure fraud. I'm going to start, you know, doing some of my own and some homeowners that came to me for help. Couldn't find any attorneys. And that's when I said, I'm going to do it myself. Um, I, I tried attorneys and either they were afraid, didn't know what they were doing, wanted me to pay them to learn. Like I'm not, I'm not paying you to learn. You're supposed to know this stuff. And uh, so that's how I went down this rabbit hole. That's how I became a litigator. I didn't go to law school, all self-taught. Um, and I'm nothing special. You, If you had the right motivation, Matt, or anybody else, you could learn the same thing I learned. It was driven by rage. I was just pissed. And I was like, these guys are doing wrong. And I've been out it. There was no business model. I just did it. Um, didn't even know how to write a motion when I first started. Um, you know, I said, well, there's Google. I'll figure out how to write a motion. And by the time I was done six years later, I went from not knowing how to write a motion to writing pleadings, appellate briefs, um, certiorari petitions, the state Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court. And I traveled to Panama and docketed a case against Citibank. And I, I was traveling all over the country, about a dozen states, state court, federal court, bankruptcy court. Um, and I just all driven by rage. Right. I was pissed. And uh, I was doing this. Behind, I couldn't represent anybody. Right. So I did my own cases and I had other people deed me their property. So if they would say, hey, Todd, I'm losing my property to the bank. Can you help me? I'm like, hey, I can't represent you. Just deed your property to me. Now I'm on title and now I can step in your shoes. I have standing as a real party in interest. So that's how I ended up doing this all over the country and um, took, the, took the arrows. I mean, they came after me, um, you know, got threatened. I got thrown in jail for contempt of court one time. And that's a, I don't fear a lot. I don't fear death, but I fear my, losing my, my um, uh, freedom. And hearing that prison door, that cell door close was a really, down feeling. You know, when you hear that cell door close, you're throwing you over contempt of court because I was digging on it, you know, a, a crooked attorney and you get the moldy baloney sandwich or in general population. And I'm just, I'm just a, I'm pretty vanilla guy. I'm as I'm square as they come. And me sitting in jail, I'm like, holy shit, this is real. Right. Um, the, the, the feds never came after me, but the, uh, the, in Maryland, the department of licensed labor and regulation came after me. And um, I mentioned that on the disclosed TV chat. I had sued one of the biggest foreclosure mills in Maryland here. And I was, I was blowing the whistle now before it made national news. I was, I was leaking stuff in the local paper and I had a, attorney Thomas Adore, D-O-R-E, if he, I mean, he's still around. I had him under oath in Baltimore County Circuit Court 
lighting him up and he had to tell the truth. He was under oath. And this is way before this foreclosure fraud made the news. And um, I got the transcript and I got him to admit, make a bunch of admissions that, you know, we don't have the original. A copy is not the same as original. And and they tried burying that transcript. But I got Thomas Doerr. He's one of the biggest foreclosure mill attorneys in Maryland before this all broke. So fast forward um, about a year later, I sued his law firm, M&T Bank, which is a big bank here in Maryland. They, they run the judge's pension fund. I didn't realize they're like the mob here. Um, so 24 minutes after I sued that bank as a plaintiff and the biggest one of the biggest foreclosure mills in Maryland, I caught the DLLR, the licensee agency here in Maryland, on my website because I, I had trackers tracking them, tracking me. And literally 24 minutes after I sued him in Baltimore County Circuit Court, I caught him snooping on my website and they issued a subpoena the next day claiming I was offering uh, credit rescue services without a license. That's all they had, right? And if anybody's dealt with regulators like the Maryland or like the state level, they're like junior varsity criminals. Like the feds come after you. And I've had friends that I'll get into that a little bit. I've had friends, the feds have come after and they, they're, they'll, you to just leave the country because they're going to get a conviction. Like it's, it's so rigged, but these clowns in like the state level, they're like junior varsity thugs. And the reason I say that is because when they serve that subpoena, they want it on my books and records. And I said, you know, take subpoena, shove it up your ass, go fuck yourself. And my wife's like, what's going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. They could like kick down my door, come drag. I, I'm not doing it because once you consent, I'll get into this a little bit with some how to. Once you consent to jurisdiction, they got you, whether it's being stopped for a traffic stop. And I'll get into jurisdiction because that's like on the back end, like making sure you stay out of their jurisdiction, which you probably know about um, on the law side. Um, so they didn't know what to do. Like they're like, this guy won't answer our subpoena. So literally, I said, I'm going to go on the fence and get off my heels, get on my toes. My buddy, who was a former, uh, um, assistant state attorney, Chris King. If you Google him, he's, he's still out there raging against the machine, man. He's a good guy. He was kind of my brother in arms. He flew down from Boston. He doesn't, he, he's not a prosecutor anymore. He's a, a video blogger now. And I said, Chris, why don't you come on down to Baltimore? Let's go, let's go have a little fun here and go confront the DLR and bring your camera and let's make them YouTube rock stars. This is whack big back before YouTube was censoring. Like I didn't know shadow banning back then YouTube, you can make anybody a rock star and like embarrass the shit out of them. So we rolled into that office and I confronted the prosecutor or the, or the investigators and Ada Dorsey. And it was August shorts, t-shirts, flip-flops. I just rolled in there. I'm like, Hey, I'm Todd Wetzelberger. Like, can you explain to me how it, after I sued the biggest law firm in Maryland, 24 minutes later, you served me a subpoena and her jaw dropped. Like, she's like, what are you and this other guy doing here? So sir, you need to turn off your camera. And he's like, I'm not turning my camera off. I think we wiped it from YouTube now because it was, it was, it was causing a lot of shit. But anyway, I confronted the lady standing in her office. Right. And, and I looked at her and she said, I've been looking for you. I said, well, here I am. And she said, why didn't you answer my subpoena? I said, cause it's all bullshit. I said, I served you multiple demands. I want to know who made the complaint. It was all, it was all trumped up. Right. It was all, it was, it was a political hit. I think what happened is somebody at the circuit court got on the phone and said, Hey, he's, he's going to the offensive, go get him. It was, it was so sloppy. The subpoena didn't have a return date. And it wasn't before I served the complaint. It was, it was after I was, it was before I filed the complaint. It was after, right? So she looks at both and she said, that was pure coincidence. And I look over at Chris, he looks at me, he goes, ma'am, I'm a former, you know, prosecutor. He said, you're lying through your teeth. So she didn't know what to, I said, have a good day. I said, you know, I'll see you around. And um, like a month later, the whole thing went away. So that was my personal experience, just sharing like a real story of like them coming after me. But like, the people on the state level, they're a bunch of chumps. Like they're a bunch of, I have a friend who's a state delegate. I'm not going to mention her name in the Maryland legislature. And she, I said, how hard was it to win? She goes, Todd, she goes, they're a bunch of idiots. 
She goes, I've, I'm, I'm a nobody. I ran for state delegate. I got, I got elected, like no big deal. She goes, I can't tell you how many people in the Maryland state legislature are a bunch of idiots. That's why they're all in government. Like they can't get a job somewhere else. So that's the reality of like, but on the feds, like I've had friends I'll go into in a minute with some of the other whistleblowers that I met. Um, when the feds come after you, that's, that's real. Like that's, they'll, they'll crush you. Um, so that was kind of the political hits. Um, and, you know, I, I was literally getting all over the country, thrown in jail for contempt. And I had kind of a wake up call when I was like five, six years into this. And um, one of the last, when I could see it was trailing towards the end of my, my Don Quixote, you know, kind of tilting at windmills. I was like, you know what? I've been doing this for a long time. I got really good at it. And it's, that's not an ego thing. I just got good because I was pissed, right? Um, the better I got, the more crooked they were. And the last kind of data point here, well, two more, and then I'll roll and I'll, I'll kind of wrap up and then kind of get into solutions. I had uh, sued um, M&T Bank. So if I can't get them in Maryland, because they run all the judges' pension fund, M&T Bank is, is um, their charters in New York. So I drove up to New York with my buddy. I sued them in Kings County. And there was a judge there, Judge Shack. He was like one of 18 judges. He hated the banks. He knew they were crooked. So if I'm lucky, maybe I'll sue them in New York. And um, maybe I'll get Judge Shack as a judge because, you know, one in 18 chance. And I was only suing for discovery, not, not money damages. I just sued for discovery. And, and there's, a, there's a statute in New York, you can file a bill of discovery. Well, I'm just me. I'm just a guy like you, right? They removed my case to federal court with no federal jurisdiction, no federal nexus. There was no amount. Anybody that's listening that's studying litigating, there's got to be certain elements to remove your case from state to federal court. None of them were there. They just did it. Um, and they assigned to this case a senior partner to Manhattan law firm, right? Probably thousand dollar an hour lawyer, senior partner, 30 years in complex commercial litigation. The guy was a pro tem judge. He was a part-time judge. That's who they put in this case against me. I'm just a guy, right? So why would they do that? Right. So long story short, they, they buried the case. The judge wouldn't remand it back to state court motion to dismiss blah, blah, blah. They just buried the whole case. They said, we cannot have this guy getting discovery. And, and what you'll see with the election fraud in the States with, with Trump, anytime, whether it's child trafficking, all the stuff we know it's bad, you'll see a pattern. Every time you try to get discovery, they want to crush it. Same with Trump. He can never get any, any election cases in the court, right? Because we know that you know, all the agencies in the Supreme Court is captured. So that was when I was like, you know what? I'm just, it's like the definition of insanity. I'm doing the same thing over and over, just like Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood. I, I respect them to the ends of the earth. General Flynn, I, I have tremendous respect. But I know using the court system, I learned the hard way doing the same thing over and over. It's just, you're not, you're going to get the same result. Even I went to Panama and we had a Panamanian attorney down there that actually was a um, good guy. His, his parents had fought against Noriega. They were college professors. He, he knows about corruption. He said, look, I'll, I'll document your case in Panama. And we were like this close to getting the judgment against Citibank. And once again, it got buried. And I had a buddy of mine who was an expat. And I flew down to Panama. And then we were this close. So that was kind of like the, the fifth year. I was like, you know what? I'm getting close to being done. Because it just the better I got, the more crooked they got. Right? So the, the kind of tail, the, the end of my, my career as a whistleblower, you know, my buddy, Chris, the, the buddy of mine, my brother, he said, you know, dude, he goes, if you keep this up, they're going to take you out. We're going to have a heart attack from the stress. Because I remember I had a trial in California. Um, California is a non-judicial foreclosure state where they only have to go to court. They can just take your house. And I remember my wife said, she, she said, you know what? If you get your ass thrown in jail 3,000 miles away, I'm not coming to get you. That's, that's the deal. And she was kind of half joking, but she wasn't, right? And um, I remember I was out there in Orange County and um, I, was, 
got to put on a case. And this judge is like, are you a license? I'm not a lawyer. I'm here as a trustee. I'm a title. And he starts screaming over his, you know, over me talking. I see the bailiff, his little Hispanic girl come with her hand on her gun. And I remember her walking towards me. I look back at Chris, he shakes his head. And I was like, what am I going to do? I'm not getting put in jail in Orange County, California, because I'm, I'm fucking disappear. And so I just sat down, let him take it, do the foreclosure case. And, and that's, that's when Chris like, dude, he's like, what's the point of doing all this? You know, you're, you're, and I've made an impact. We had a couple, like one, maybe one or two judges that were close to retirement. And that's a pattern here. You'll see it. One or two judges that, that didn't have any, they didn't care. They were retiring and they actually would rule in favor of the homeowner. So we got a couple of wins, but we got, it was like 98 to two, you know, it was so rigged. And that's when I woke up. I was like, you know, if they take me out, you guys know about whistleblowers. A lot of times they'll suicide them, right? And I thought, you know, if they suicide me, you know, I know about insurance companies not paying. It's like, well, shit, if they suicide me, what if they don't pay my life insurance? And then I'm gone. And then they don't pay the insurance claim. Then my, my family's screwed too. So I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm hanging up my spurs. I'm done. I went, my wife's like, you know, can we have a peaceful life back? I was like, sure. Let, let's just go back to a normal, peaceful, you know, boring life. And, and that's what I did. I kind of hung it up. And, um, you know, that's, but so, so real quickly before I end that, um, uh, by virtue of the business I was in, not the business, what I was, the, the nature of what I was doing, I ran into other whistleblowers. Um, like I said before, way more connected, powerful than me. And they crushed them. Like Tom Drake, if anybody heard of him, was NSA uh, senior executive. He blew the whistle on spying on Americans before Snowden. And Tom Drake went through the chain of command. Career, career executive NSA, brilliant guy. And I met him in a conference in New Hampshire. I was speaking on property rights and he was a keynote speaker. And it was so cool talking to him after. He, he said, I do it all over again. He was three years from retirement. When I met him, he was working in an Apple store in DC. Like here's a guy, he worked for three presidents, top of his game, three years from retirement, blew the whistle you know, with, with the, the spying on Americans, on American soil, and they crushed him. And uh, when I talked to him, it was a weekend conference. We were in the audience the next day, listening to the speaker, told him what I did. He's like, he said, he said, Todd, if you think what you're doing is scary, he goes, imagine you've got the full force of the White House trying to put you away the rest of your natural life for trying to do the right thing. And I'm sitting here talking to him in person like you. And, uh, you know, I'm not in person, but I was in person. And Jesslyn Raddick was his attorney. She was a former DOJ attorney under Ashcroft um, when she blew the whistle on all the John, John Walker Lynn, the American Taliban. She, she was an ethics attorney. They, they tried for 10 years to get her disbarred in D.C. because she blew the whistle. Um, so I asked him, I said, Tom, how did you win? Because obviously you're not in jail. And he said, we won in the court of public opinion. And that's when I started working the whole court of public opinion. And we started making a lot of these guys YouTube rock stars. We would, we would chase them with cameras. And, you know, I was in a court in a hearing in Baltimore County Circuit. Chris came down for that, that hearing with the camera, gave a notice, media coverage. We get there. He sets up all his gear. And the judge comes on the bench. He said, Mr. King, put your camera away. If you don't, I'm going to confiscate it, throw you in jail for not civil contempt, throw you in jail for criminal contempt. And uh, once again, we couldn't, couldn't we were there, set the video. This, this was a hearing where I was going to crush these guys. It was my day in court. I had evidence from the IRS. It was five against one. I'm one. I'm, I was a plaintiff. Fence five attorneys. I, it was amazing. If you would have seen the video, I crushed these guys. One of the attorneys, when I moved a piece of evidence in from the IRS, um, he buried his head in his hands. But it never made it to the camera because they didn't want this on film. So we got out of the hearing. Chris chased him down the street with his camera, and we that 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 video went viral. Like it went went everywhere. And and they were supposed to drag me back in a month later for sanctions because I was a vexatious litigant and uh, the whole thing went away. So as most people know, they don't like the, the light, sh you know, shine in them. 
so that's what we did. We started, I was saying, you know what, I'm going to use the court of public opinion. And, um, you know, Tom Drake, I, I consulted with him for a little while. And then um, I actually hired a former operative, former CIA operative. I'm not going to mention his name. that was retired um, on help me do intelligence gathering. And I said, hey, can you help me? He said, what's your goal? And he was a really cool guy. And they, they crushed him too. He was, he, was, he was a substitute school teacher in Virginia when I, when I met him. And this guy's a 30-year career covert operative turning, turning assets. And he's, he's teaching as a substitute teacher in the Virginia schools. That's what they did to him. Right. Um, so as he said, what's your goal? I said, well, here's the deal. I said, I want to get that picture of a judge in a closet with a donkey wearing a blue dress. You know, that's, that's what I want. I want the dirt on these judges that I'm dealing with and I want to out them. Right. Just like John Roberts and you just, just pick one. Right. Um, and he really got me up to speed on intelligence gathering. And he said, he said, Todd, he goes, here's the deal that Jason Bourne shit. It's like 5%. He said 80% of intelligence gathering is literally open source, open source intelligence. You and I, very inexpensive. And I was like, and he, and he really clued me in on the, on the, the methodology of how to gather intelligence. And it's no more sexy than bringing donuts to the clerk of the court, right? And, and ask him about this and, you know, have a conversation. And how about this judge? What do you know about him? Does he beat his wife? Does he have a boyfriend, girlfriend? Does he drink too much? And so this guy really clued me in on how to gather intelligence. And um, it was somewhat helpful. But at the end of the day, the the web of the web of corruption, and I think most people around the world see it now with with Trump, right? In the election, no matter what you think of him personally, he's Trump has awakened a worldwide movement of stuff that you and I knew about probably ten years ago. Now the world is waking up. Like I can only do so much. Trump had a bigger you know platform. So um, so yeah. So it, it, at the end of the day, I met, I met Karen Hudis from the World Bank. She was a whistleblower, senior counsel, World Bank. They they she was exposing country level fraud, country level loan fraud with World Bank giving these fraudulent loans, getting kickbacks from the world leader. And if anybody ever read the book, um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, John Perkins, same thing. That's you, you either get a country under debt slavery or Matt or Todd under debt slavery. The whole point is to bury you in debt slavery. Now we can pull the strings, whether we have blackmail on you or whatever. The whole point is, you know, control. Um, yeah, Karen Hughes, Tom Drake, um, this operative I'm not going to mention. Um, God, who else? I met a couple other whistleblowers, but every one of them pretty much had the same story. When they, when the government was done with them, they they crushed them. And I had one other friend, Carmen. I won't mention her last name. She um, had a big nonprofit. She had congressman on speed dial. Um, she could pick up the phone with Aquin Loan Servicing and stop a foreclosure. And they went after her, and the feds came after her, dragged her out of her house in her underwear, seized her computers. Um, and I was there at every hearing, every trial. I was actually helping her defense attorney cross-examine the bank witnesses because he was, you know, he was appointed to her. And he, long story short, here's a woman multimillionaire, took everything, spent five years in jail, and she couldn't do shit about it. She hired the most expensive DC, you know, white shoe law firms. Then to the day it didn't matter. And that's when I said, you know what, I'm I'm not doing this. You know, I did what I could, um, and I'm just beating my head. I'm going up against the, the machine, right? So, you know, I went back to my peaceful life. And, you know, when I was in that disclosed TV chat, I was telling Sophie, you know, I, I, my life was peaceful until Trump got in office. I was shocked. I think we were all shocked four, five years ago. He, he won, right? I thought it was same old, same old. Um, in the, that last like six, eight months, I got really, really active. I was like, you know what? This is, this is going to turn now. This is turning. He got in four years. They, they tried taking him out um, multiple times. So I got really vocal and said, I'm going to stick my head back up again because it's now or never, right? They, they've advanced the agenda and then COVID hit. And you know, we were talking before you started recording, uh, the, the, the cabal, and I say the cabal 
Rothschilds, Rockefellers, Gates, Zuckerberg, Bezos, um, you just you know Elon Musk. You know, I'm going to talk about him for a little bit there because I'll mention him in, in, in the context of something else. All the elites. Um, this agenda with COVID has been advanced at least three decades in about 15 months. Like literally, the stuff that I knew, I went down those those rabbit holes years ago. Um, you know, because of virtue of what it did, you get exposed to the secret space program and the aliens, right? And then the Anunnaki and, and uh, Project Camelot, right? Um, Carrie Cassidy, Project Camelot. She's been interviewing super soldiers, God, since, you know, way back, you know, 10 years ago. And I've got friends because where I live in the DC area that, you know, worked at the White House, my buddy Robert, I'm not gonna mention his last name. He used to travel with Al Gore, he set up, you know, secure comms. I've had, and he had a sign a 99 year non-disclosure when he left the White House. So I've got friends that have, that have told me little bits and pieces here to corroborate you know, you're like, that's not possible. Like the movie, um, was a movie with Schwarzenegger. Was it Predator? I think when he, Predator. Jesse Ventura, Predator, yeah. That's real shit, right? That's, Wait, that's Predator real... is the guy where he comes and he's like the alien, but he's all... With the, with the dreadlocks? Yeah, yeah. Exa- that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Schwarzenegger's part of the cabal, right? I mean, it, he, it's, it's unfortunate, but he is. Wait, what are you saying is real? The Predator character or... or Pre- predator, exactly? predator character, Predator character, yeah. That's, that's really? real shit, yeah. And I'll get into that a little bit here when Holy I said, shit. you know, there's a message of hope at the end here. I, I do believe that. Um, and you and I talked off air, you know, we both have kids. And that's where I left a disclosed TV chat with. Um, so so kind of bringing it, you know, fast forward. That's the story. And and like I said, I'm not cavalier. I don't want to die tomorrow. I want to see my kids grow up. But at some point, you got to take a stand. You know, you are, I am, you know, there's plenty of other people. You look what they did to General Flynn. And you look at General Flynn, anybody followed his case. The lat, that judge on his case, um, uh, Emmett Sullivan, used to be a good judge, but found out later, his, his, I'm pretty sure, and, and fact check me if I'm wrong, anybody, pretty sure his kid was caught uh, pedophilia, child pornography stuff. And the word is, and I didn't corroborate it, that, that Emmett Sullivan's got a beach house down near Biden on the beach in Delaware, and they get into the, the crazy shit down there. So Emmett's, I, I used to have ringer judges as well. I, I used to have ringer judges assigned in my case to crush me. And Emmett Sullivan was a ringer judge assigned to General Flynn's case. Like if the DOJ drops the charges, the judge has to dismiss the case. And if you got anybody follow General Flynn, who talk about a brave man, um, DOJ dropped the case because they had no, they couldn't, it was all made up, right? But yet Emmett Sullivan would not dismiss the case. For months, months and months and months. And thank God Sidney Powell got him out of it. But but he had to plea, right? He had to take a plea. And it was all because they were threatening his son. And that's a weakness for all anybody that has children. It's a it's a weakness of mine, weakness of yours. They come after your kids, it's a whole different game, right? Um, so I understand ringer judges and and you know, so my point of telling you this is all those paths I went down with the secret space program and met back one one interview I heard, um, Duncan O'Finian was a child. In the program, MK Ultra stuff, you know, mind control. They got about four or five years old. Um, Duncan O'Finian was on a mission in Vietnam with a bunch of, he was 12, 13 years old. And special forces guys were pinned down by the Viet Cong and he flew in. This is wild shit. And but when I first heard this, I'm like, there ain't no way. But now it's kind of like, of course this happens. It's like Jason Bourne, like, oh, version one. They're up to Wait, version they're flying four. a 12 year old kid for this. Not only him, it was like a dozen kids to check this out. And then he was trained in like the supernatural stuff. And they basically, he, and Duncan, Duncan O'Finian, if you go to project Camelot and Google Duncan O'Finian interview and um, Corso, Dave Corso was the guy he rescued. 
and he's probably, you know, he's special for, he was, I think it was Green Berets. They're all pinned down. Duncan O'Finian tells the story to Carrie Cast. I heard this like eight, nine years, probably 10 years ago. He flew in to this LZ with about 12 kids. They got out and their handler, who was their trainer, had them all join hands, like, like batteries in a series. You know, you join batteries, if you know, series or parallel electricity. And they summoned this energy, this, this hot energy, and a, a, a beam went towards enemy force and took the whole force out. They got back in the helicopter and left. And this interview Carrie Cassidy had with Duncan O'Finian and Dave Corso was the first time these two guys had ever met since he came and rescued him back in Vietnam. And you listen to these interviews on Project Camelot, you're like, no, that can't be. This is, the, but it's, you start hearing it over and you hear another survivor, MK Ultra, and another survivor, Kathy O'Brien, right? There's so many MK Ultra survivors now that are coming out. You know, Jason Bourne's a real thing, right? It's a very real thing, but he was like super soldier, like, you know, version one. They're like up to version four now. And remember the movie, uh, Men Who Stare at Goats, yep. right? With the remote viewing and, and, uh, I forgot the name of the guy that ran that program for 27 years, but he's out vocal talking about it. Right. So because I was litigating, you know, doing these earthly things, I started getting exposed to this other stuff. So as, as I got back in this, this fight now, there's so many more people coming out now talking about it and look at space force. Right. And direct. And matter of fact, Karen Hudas, that woman from the world bank, the senior counsel, I remember seeing her, we were there to support another guy. It was a gun charge in DC and she and I were at the federal court in DC and we were sitting in a cafeteria in the basement of DC federal court. And she told me about when she sued the world bank exposing their fraud. She said, I was get, about to get a filing at a four 30 for the court close. I'm going up the courthouse steps in the same courthouse. We were in, in DC, this black SUV drives by and, and something hits her from the back and drove her to her knees. And she said, it was pretty, she was pretty sure it was a directed energy weapon. So this isn't like, Hollywood stuff. I'm talking to the lady that got hit with a direct energy weapon. You know, she was senior counsel at the World Bank, Yale Law School, brilliant attorney. That's and what um, I've heard of um, a bunch of times is directed energy weapons. I've heard um, obviously different things about ETs and stuff like that. But uh, and men of steric goats. I remember the beginning of that. They said more is true in this movie than you'd believe. And because of my research in consciousness and and the limits of the mind, I I was familiar with all those experiments and the things they've tried. And also it's interesting when you're talking about the kids, I've never heard that story before. I'm always curious about what the limits are, but my understanding is that when you work together as a unit, that's how the supernatural thing stuff. So when you study like occultism and Satanism and Luciferianism, which is basically, you know, what's going on here uh, on the dark side, they're using these rituals to create a supernatural force. And the average person doesn't think it's possible because we're not familiar with it. You know, like you can take something stupid and simple, like, uh, you know, if nobody knows uh, how to, you know, train properly for a deadlift and no one in the world knows that, and I'm deadlifting 450 pounds because I know a simple protocol, you'll be like, that's unbelievable. You shouldn't be that small deadlifting 450 pounds because I thought four plates was ridiculous until I learned a protocol that was like, holy smokes, like this really works, right? Or strength or something, you know, that's a kind of a stupid analogy, but what are the limits of consciousness? And then especially group consciousness, like the idea of, um, you know, you do tug of war with one-on-one and you, you measure each individual's strength, but when you do it 10 10 people, right. Rather than just one. And then you add them all up. When you put 10 together, the force is like 30 or 50% stronger or something very considerable anyways. So there is something very important to be said around group coherence and intention. It is, you know, the great part about bringing it up, Matt, is we can do that for, for good. 
And if you guys, because you're, you're, you're a big consciousness guy, I've seen who you work with your clients and stuff and you're pretty world-class clients, right? Athletes. Um, there's been studies. And I think um, Jack Canfield, who's a co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, talked about people praying worldwide. They had like a national prayer day and violent crime went down that day. Um, and you, there's, there's directed, there's, there's, they're very direct. Um, cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a data guy. I want to see evidence, right? I'm a very evidence-based guy, but they've got studies that then it wasn't like a one-off kind of thing. They did it repeatedly. And when you put that consciousness together, cause there is, it's a, it's a fight for good versus evil. That's a, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, it definitely is that you can do the same thing in a force for good. And that example I gave you of Duncan O'Finian, they were a force, you know, they were, I guess they were, you know, rescuing, I guess they were a force for good that night, they were rescuing some special forces guys, but the fact that they were all connected in series and they held hands and that energy went through all their bodies and came out the tail end and didn't burn somebody's hand. I, I mean, I, when I used to dive in the oil field, here's an example, I used to do a lot of underwater burning. I didn't do a lot of welding and I was always fascinated that I could burn, strike, on, strike an arc underwater because we used to do like a lot of pipeline uh, platform abandonment, uh, the oil rigs. I could strike an arc underwater, right? And I'm burning electric arc underwater and I'm not getting shocked. I'm not dying. I could feel tingling in my hands, but I had gloves on. I literally had dish gloves over my hand. And as long as you don't get in that connection, you know, there's electrical connection. You just can't get in the middle of the connection. You'll, you'll, you will die, but you could burn underwater. I'm, I'm two, 300 feet underwater burning, striking an arc and not dying. And there's an example of, you know, how energy, because everything's energy, right? You go to Tesla, right? It's all energy, harmonics, waves. Um, that made sense to me when I heard that story of Duncan O'Finian. It's like, I get that. So the person at the very end of the daisy chain that directed that energy, it didn't blow off their hand, right? They're, they're directing energy. They're not getting in the circuit. And um, so, so anyway, so yeah, so, you know, kind of come forward here to, you know, the election, we all know what happened. Most people, I guess, on this call probably know that how many ways it was rigged, the fraudulent ballots, you know, the, the satellites from Italy, like we know about that, you know, with Leonardo was the, the Italian equivalent, like North of Grumman, they were involved in tasking the satellites, you know, the Vatican's corrupted. And so as fate would have it, um, I said, you know what, if I'm going to get back in this fight again, this is the kind of last data point brings me up to today. I, I, I mentioned to somebody on tele, one of the Telegram chats, if I'm going to get in this fight this time and take, because when I was litigating, I probably, you know, um, the book by uh, Malcolm Gladwell, Blink, you know, he said, you need about 10,000 hours to become an expert. You can actually compress that, but I probably had 20,000 hours. And all that time was time. You, know, you can't trade time. It's either time doing this or time away from my family. And so I don't want to say I lost all that time, but that's a lot of time away from my family and the stress. And my kids were young and, you know, cops would come to the house sometimes. Like there was a lot of like crazy shit. And I don't know if my kids can be scarred. Hopefully they're not scarred later on. Hopefully they they see the positive thing and they don't have, you know, subconscious scarring because they were young when all that shit was going on. Um, but I thought, you know, if I'm gonna get into it this time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna swing for the fences. I'm gonna do something that makes an impact. I'm not gonna litigate again. I'm not gonna try. When when the election was stolen, I was like, you know what, it's the same old, same old Supreme Court's compromise. John Roberts, his kids were adopted with Epstein. Like it's it's so it's so broken like the whole, and i was there i told you before we got on i was at the capitol on the sixth um it was total false flag i was i actually rented a satellite phone because i knew they're going to cut out, cut out the cell comms and um and uh so i called my wife outside the capitol and um she's like oh my god you hear there's shots inside there's other shots inside the capitol i'm standing outside there's a lady just walked by me with a baby stroller you know, and I'm, I got, fr cause there was probably a half million people there that day. It was like a Pink Floyd concert. Like we're all elbow to elbow, you know, walking on Constitution Avenue. 
Um, and I got fr- I hung out with a retired FBI agent that day. He came out from New Jersey and we were friends. We were talking. We got friendly that day and we we're in front of the Capitol. And I was like, I told my wife and I was afraid they were going to cut the satellite signal for the phone. But I was like, you know what? This doesn't make sense. I said, we're standing outside the Capitol. All the Capitol police were just kind of hanging out. You know, if, if there were some, there were shots inside the Capitol, they would be like in defensive or offensive positions, right? They would have riot gear. Like this, does, and the FBI, the, the retired agent, he goes, this doesn't make any sense. So we decided to leave because they had a curfew in DC. I need, I was parked in Chinatown. I even brought my mountain bike. I threw it in the back of my SUV because I figured if they, if they had a direct energy weapon, like your car wouldn't start, right? Your alternator wouldn't start. So I was like, as long as I get outside the district, I, I strategically parked so I could hoof it to my car, grab my bike if I had to, had a satellite phone. As long as I get back into Maryland, I'm out of like enemy territory. Right? <laughs> That's my thinking. Um, so we're leaving. We're leaving to get out you know, by the, by the five o'clock curfew. As I'm walking past the reflection pond behind the Capitol, but before I got there, actually, I'm walking in the backside. Some lady goes, hey, watch, you're stepping on the blood. And I look down, there's like blood on the sidewalk. And I just happened to catch this random random kid. I have the video. I, I took a video from his neck down. I said, hey, man, what happened? Because I was next to Ashley. Um, was it Ashley Babbitt? I think it was shot. He said, I was next to her as we were going to the Capitol. And the guy that I was with, he's a retired FBI guy. He starts grilling him and questioning him, right? And I was like, hey, back down, let the kid talk. And he said, man, we were just trying to get in. He said, we we're just trying to assert our rights. We weren't busting anything, we weren't breaking anything. And, and he said, and he said, I got pushed back and she went ahead of me after she got shot. So I look and I'm videoing this kid from the neck down. I didn't want to show his face, right? And he's pointing to the blood. I look over and there was a plastic bag with some blood on it. And if I'd have been thinking, I would have grabbed the plastic bag. I think the whole thing was a setup. I think it was all fake. I think they had blood packs on. I think the whole thing was rigged. It's just my opinion, just from the camera angles. And there's a ton of people that have reviewed that right that's the whole thing has went away um i should have grabbed the damn plastic ziploc bag had the blood on it because i could have got it analyzed to see if it was real blood or not it, i didn't have that presence of mind i was like i need to get out of town so as i was leaving to go to my car um that's when all the, the buses were coming in with all the riot police and i and but the bizarre thing matt is everybody was just calm like as i'm as i'm walking back to my car people there's people with walkers every every walk of life was in dc black white young old brown come from all over the country, 80 year old people, military guys, you could pick the Antifa out of the crowd. Like you could tell they just went to like the sunny surplus and bought the riot gear because it's all shiny and new. You, you could totally pick them out of the crowd. And you can see the rabble rousers at the Capitol. They're like, oh my God, somebody shot. We need, we need to get in. I'm like, I'm not following you. Like you could just tell. You know, your sense of your spotty sense is up. Like this, this oh, guy. Yeah. They're, to... they're completely obvious too. Like yeah, I've seen them in, you know, Toronto and things yeah. like that. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, and all that stuff too, like the false flags and, and all the things you're talking about. When you look into it a little bit, it, the truth is self-evident, you know, like, you know, the capital, the whole thing, it makes no sense. Like, you know, you could have hundreds of guards there. If they don't want them coming in, they're not coming in. You know, you've yeah, got some and, of the and, best defense on the entire planet. <laughs> yeah. And it, the difference is if you were there, you would have the same experience as me, right? It's just different scene on TV, even alternative media, like RT, you know, Russia Today, that's a lot of alternative. But to be there and be on the ground and see somebody walking past you with a baby stroller and some guys over here saying, hey, they, we got to storm the cap. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This lady will be running with her kid. Like people will be like fleeing. So anyway, so, so when I realized that, and then they started going after people, right? That's when I said, you know what? I got to be smart about it this time. I wiped 10 years of my Facebook posts. I got a picture up there when I used to work in the oil field. If you, you know, search Todd Wetzelberg on Facebook, I haven't posted since January. It's a picture of me in the oil field. That's it. Um, but unfortunately, like I said, as we move forward with our life now, 
I still have to do business. I'm a real estate investor. And we talked before. It really sucks that all my contacts are on Facebook. I belong to some groups of 14,000 real estate investors. And I can't turn that off yet because that's, that's how I do deal flow and find contractors and et cetera. So um, as, you know, as we kind of go forward now, this is the kind of, we're transitioning to solution phase. I said, if I'm going to stick my neck out, I got to be smart. And what I learned from before when they came after me is to make sure, um, and I'll mention the Telegram channel in a minute, I have the resources on, to not have any, any risk. Like my kids are my kids are at risk, right? Because they could come after them. But for the most part, um, I don't have, I don't own anything. I don't have anything in my own name. Um, the vehicle I drive is in a trust. Um, most business I do is in a trust. I'm a, I'm usually a silent partner. A lot of projects. I don't have my name on any LLCs because LLCs are a creature of the state. So if you create a limited liability corporation, even even in Wyoming, like Wyoming has phenomenal um, privacy laws, right? And if you get a say. I did a deal with you and it went sideways and you sued me you sued my Wyoming LLC. You could get a judgment against me, but it's a hollow judgment because you can't collect on it unless I ever get a distribution. So Wyoming's got phenomenal um, laws to protect you for, for anonymity. Like you don't even have to be a member on record in Wyoming. You have somebody organized LLC, you're not even a title. I use trusts and I use silent partnerships because I don't even want to have that jurisdiction over me, even though Wyoming has phenomenal um, protections like New Mexico does in the States. So is, is Wyoming, yeah, is, is a corporation the same as an LLC when they talk about a Wyoming corporation? Cause I have heard of that before. Yeah. It's, you know, it's cool. great, great question. And it's just, this is cool. I, I, I like the business stuff. It, hopefully this is helpful. Um, an LLC is a limited liability company and it's literally, you can choose, you can check the box on the tax form. Do you want to be um, seen as a partnership or as a corporate, as S corp? So you can pick one or the other. So yeah, an LLC can either be um, a corporation or it can be a partnership. Depends on which there's tax benefits and other other um, considerations, which way you want to go. But most people will choose a check check the box for a sub S corp, and there'll be an LLC taxed as a sub S corporation, which is just a pass through entity, and it has I think less than fifty shareholders. And it's essentially for a small company that doesn't want to grow into a C corp because of the double taxation. It's an, it's an S subchapter S in the States here with the IRS code. Um, so yeah, it can be either one. So. Okay. So is that, but that, but the trust is the ultimate way to go. In, in my opinion, in my opinion, like I said, and, and I, you know, I, I, I just, I'll do the disclaimer now on the, the telegram channel where those resources are. If you join it, you can download it for free. Um, it's freedom and free markets on telegram. You're more than welcome to take the trust documents, use them at your own risk. I draft my trust documents because I'm comfortable um, but there's two trust documents on there. One is for an asset trust and one I, I do business with. And the asset trust, you'll see, that's the one like similar, same language. I, I stripped out any specific stuff. You, you can use it for yourself. Just fill in the blanks. If you're not comfortable, definitely get some legal counsel or go on Just Answers Legal. For like 40 bucks, you can ask a question on Just Answers. They have like Just Answers Plumbing, Just Answers Legal, if you don't want to pay an attorney. Um, but attorneys charge five, 10 grand for trust documents. I just draft my own because it's, once again, lawyers don't want you knowing that my trust stock is four pages long. And I've had attorneys push back when I bought properties from the banks. Oh, you can't use this. I'm like, why not? It's got all the elements of the trust, intent, purpose, parties, and specific trust res or trust property. What's your fucking problem? And they always back down. And it's not that I'm, I'm like, you know, a punk about it. It's like, really? You're another fucking asshole attorney. You weren't, it's just because it's not drafted by an attorney. It's not 30 pages long. And then they always back down. So those two trust documents on that Telegram channel, I use on a regular basis. Well, I remember, um, 
you know, I remember interviewing Mark Patelic out of Australia and he just yeah, talked yeah, about, you know, yeah. his, his process of, you know, having really rich friends, right. And saying everybody that I knew that was incredibly rich, put their money in a trust, you know, yep. and put it right. Because, because I guess it's better. They can't come and, and take your stuff, right. Like your friend who they took the millions of dollars from, right. So if she had yep. in a trust, it's she harder because they don't know. Yeah. So my, my question, I have a lot of questions, but I'd love to throw it in there now that it's top of mind. What about um, land? Because, you know, if you look at the agenda 20, uh, 2030 and some of the stuff that's going on in Canada, they're, they're drafting bills to take your land. And I've heard, um, I, I saw it in this actual telegram group, a, a person had a farm in one of the telegram groups, and this was recent. She hadn't made any, her uh, missed, missed any of the payments for a mortgage and RBC basically made a claim and came and took her land and took her farm and there's nothing she could do about it. So is there a way to put, cause when you don't own anything, that's, that's kind of fine in one way in, in my mind, as I as I understand it, right. So if I could lease my car and I can make money and there's, there's nothing for them to get. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but what if you want to own the land and you want to farm, um, is it different like that? Cause you're in real estate. Is there a way to do that? Because I think that's a big uh, problem we're facing here in Canada. Cause I think that's what they're designing through the banks. hundred percent. Great question. Um, I've had people, uh, matter of fact, my uh, buddy, Paul, he's been fighting the banks for 30 years. They've been trying to foreclose on his house and they, they lost the, I'll do a quick, I'll do a quick back to go forward. Scott. I did. I forgot about that part with the, I don't want to get too technical, but the, the, there's a note and there's security for the note, right? The note's an IOU. If, if I borrow 50 bucks from Matt and you say, hey, Todd, you're paying me back. Can you, can you put it on paper? I'll say, I owe, you know, Matt, you know, hundred bucks. I'll pay him back on this date. And there's elements, there's elements to everything. There's elements to a motion, elements to a trust, elements to a, a promissory note. And if you look on a dollar bill or, or you know, a Canadian bill, it's a promise to pay, right? It's just a, 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 dollar, a US dollar bill. We know it's fiat money. It's not back money thing. But a fiat dollar is a promise to pay, just like a promissory note that is secured by a mortgage. So the reason I'm going back to this is because your friend, either the lady you know with the farm, they have to secure that note with a mortgage. And, and in, the Mar- in, in Maryland, we use deeds of trust, but it acts like a mortgage. So there's provisions in a mortgage or deed of trust. They can put you into default if you just look sideways. So that's an example. I've had people back when I was fighting the banks that came to me to help. They had missed a payment and the banks were foreclosing exactly to your point, right? So I'm not going to go into the hows and whys, but, but when I was fighting the banks, all those mass foreclosures after 2008, everybody's like, oh, they're deadbeats. They should pay their bills. That's not the case. That was, that's a cover story like everything is, right? Um, whether you lost your job or whatever. All those mass foreclosures after 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, that was to launder the fraud around the promissory note. Because the, I have a friend who's an ex-banker for HSBC. said, Todd, they never had any original notes. And if you want to foreclose, you have to have proof of possession of the note, uniform commercial code. And you also have proof of the security securing the note. These banks didn't have that. They were committing rhetoric fraud, securities fraud. They never had standing to foreclose. And... To, and I'm going to, I'm kind of coming full circle back to your, how to solve this. I want to tell you about the problem and, and defining the problem helps the solution. Um, I, I've been an investor. I paid off a bunch of loans over the years, hundreds, you know, and I said, you know, I'm a clever guy. I can't beat them on the, on the, you know, suing to stop a foreclosure. I'm going to sue them to get my note back because I know they don't have it. And I'm not a deadbeat now, right? Cause I paid off a loan. 
And in this may be in mortgages don't necessarily have this here, but in, in, in deeds of trust and in the, in the 50 US states, about half, it's like 25, 26 states, a little over half use deeds of trust to secure the payment, repayment of a, of a loan, purported loan. We know it's all bogus, right? They print money out of thin air and the Federal Reserve, all that stuff. But let's presume it's a real loan. In the deed of trust in Maryland and, and many, many dozens of states in the US, there's a clause. It's in the, the deed of trust or mortgage is about 12, 15 pages. The note's about two or three pages. Um, in the deed of trust, there's a release clause. It's non-uniform covenant 23 on page 12. Like I, I know at the back of my head. And it says, when you pay that, that loan back, it, that release clause says, you not may, you shall. And we know shall means you shall return the note marked paid in full. Well, I know they can't because they never had the note. They destroyed it. They've sold it multiple times. And the REMIC fraud they committed, they were selling these securities back then. So, and I'm going to go back for a minute. Say you're an investor and you want to invest in mortgage-backed securities back in 2008, 9 We're paying a 4%, 5% interest rate coupon or whatever. And you think, hey, I'm going to invest you know, 10 grand in a mortgage-backed security. My investment in that security is backed by this trust or this pool of loans. Well, the pool of loans didn't exist. They're called empty sack trusts. They were, they were doing a derivative, a derivative, a derivative, a derivative. And you think you're investing in, in, in your investment as security is backed by these mortgages. Well, there were none in there. And that was the major fraud. They had to foreclose in these houses because in one of my appellate briefs, I wrote the house, it was, it was a money laundering operation. The house was the laundromat. They were laundering the note. It was never about the house. It was about they can never prove they had the right to foreclose. And I, like I said, I've, I've been an investor. I've had to take properties back. I've been a landlord. I've had to do evictions. And I said before we got on air, always treated people with dignity. It's like, hey, if you can't pay, you can't stay. But we always treated them right. So I get, and I told, I tried to reason with judges. I said, look, judge, I'm an investor. I get foreclosing, but you cannot foreclose based on a fraud. That was my, that was my premise. And that 08 crash, we all know was engineered, right? It was, if anybody knows history, every crash is engineered. The whole point was to basically wipe out over a trillion dollars in retirement money. They wiped out retirement funds, steal all the houses, and put people back, basically back in the plantation. That was all, all planned. And I, I can tell you stories, people, heart attack, suicide, divorce, kids living in cars, story, it'll break, it would break your heart, all the people I work with. And, and they spent every last penny, clean out their IRA, clean out their 401k just to pay the bank. And then when the money ran out, the bank said, fuck you, I'm taking the house. And we never had the right to foreclose in the first place. The whole thing was a fraud. So back to your friend, there's, I don't want to say there's no way we get a couple of wins, but like I said, it was like a 98 to two. Like when I got two wins with judges that were retiring and actually had a conscience, the rest of them, they, you could be right as a day as long and they will crush you. Just like General Flynn, just like Trump's election cases, Sidney Powell's like beating her head against the wall trying to go back to the courts. I'm like, you know, I, I love Sydney Powell. I have a tremendous amount of respect for her, but it's like, why keep going back to the fucking courts when you know the courts are rigged? So to answer your question, I think I've looked at peer-to-peer lending and there's, a, I think, and we're already pursuing this now, I do equity deals. Most of my real estate deals, I do with equity partners. Very rarely do I borrow money. And the reason I'm sharing this is because when I was doing real estate investment in New Orleans, if you're, you know, you're doing stuff like on bigger development levels. Like most of our real estate product, our condo conversion, like three million dollar, you know, after built value. When you're in that that realm, 
and you don't get like 10 million and above, most loans, quote unquote loans you get, you have to personally guarantee them. So when Katrina hit, I was on the hook for millions of dollars in loans and a hurricane came and wiped out our business, no fault of my own. But yet I'm personally guaranteeing millions of dollars of loans I, that I had no control over. And they, they want to come after everything you've got because you personally guarantee. They don't, it's, not, it's not good enough for a banker to take the property. They want to, they want to strip you of every, and it's asset stripping, right? And we see this now with wiping out the middle class. And I won't get into that too, right now, but um, you're, the answer to this lady with this farm is to me is go outside the system. And is there going to be a financial quantum reset and Nassara, Jassara? I don't know. You know, you listen to Charlie Ward, all these guys talk about the global reset for the good, not the bad, not the bad global reset, the good global reset. Maybe it'll happen, but I got to deal with the here. We, we all have to deal with the here and now. We know about the Federal Reserve System, the whole system's crooked. I think there's platforms to do peer-to-peer lending. And I raise private equity. We have a, have a phenomenal platform for raising private equity. And I think the way to protect ourselves is to raise peer-to-peer lending equity and say you have a farm you want to buy and say, hey, Todd, I got this farm. I don't want to go down, you know, World Bank of Canada. We all pull our resources together. And it's almost like the old days, the old savings and loan, right? We all pull our resources. We don't deal with a charter from the Federal Reserve and we do peer-to-peer lending. Is it going to happen overnight? No. But we're looking at solutions, right? So if you want to get outside the system, and we don't know if this whole global reset is going to happen for the good because we're sitting on a bunch of silver. I got Bitcoin. My wife and I have been buying silver for 15 years. If that resets and silver actually goes to where it's supposed to be, we're, we're like talking like multi-millions. And I've got um, Iraqi dinar. I've got Vietnamese dong because my wife had a, a cousin was a security contractor in the Middle East. And he told me about buying Iraqi dinar 10 years ago. But that never revalued, right? It's, it's like a stocking stuffer. So I don't know if the, the reset's going to happen. So we have to deal with it here and now. So if I was looking to do deals, like I'm, I, today, we always find equity partners. And what I do is I'm like, hey, say you and I want to do a deal. Like, heck, at this real estate development, you bring the equity, I'll be the operator. We'll split the profits 50-50. That way I have no debt payments. So we're, in, we're, in, we're joined at the hip here. So if, this, if the project goes sideways, we both go down together, where if you were a debt partner, and I say, hey, Matt, can you lend me, you know, $2 million? I'll put in, you know, you know, a couple hundred thousand of my own. You lend me the debt. I'll make interest payments every month. If that project goes sideways, I'm still on the hook to pay debt every month, right? So I have a, I have a uh, buddy who's my uh, project management partner. We've been friends since high school, played, played sports together. And he's, he's a um, really good project manager. I can do it. I've known him for 20 years, but he's a natural project manager. And I said, look, dude, the economy is going to crash. A, a two by four right now. I'm kind of jumping around, but I I've been through market cycles and this is this is going to crash. A two by four a year ago was two dollars eighty six cents last March. A month ago it was like five dollars and ninety cents. Yesterday it's seven dollars and thirty two cents for a two by four by eight feet long and just and I thought I was looking at the wrong like with pressure treated. It's white white framing lumber, and like th- there's no way this is sustainable. And you I don't know if you see it in Canada, but prices are getting bit up on house. I'm like this is in 2008, it's not the mortgages this time, it's the inflation. And job growth is not, all, all the economic indicators, not going to bore you the details, the numbers don't add up. So I don't want to be that same guy I was, you know, back 2006 when Katrina hit, I'm on the hook for millions and millions of dollars of loans, because when they crash this, we're never going to know, right? I could be the smartest guy, I have all the, indica- I have all the data, but we're, we're just, 
we're just pawns, right? They're, when they when they crash this, they're going to crash, and we're never going to know it's coming. So I'd rather give up half my profit now on a project and have equity partners as opposed to debt partners. That way, if things go sideways, we're all in it together. So I'll take a breath there. Hopefully, that's a helpful kind of solution for that scenario. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess kind of. I think I'm thinking of um, you know home homeowners and the people that I'm speaking to in Canada around the world saying, okay. We're kind of seeing how things are going in Canada. They're inflating the prices of lumber because they're just not, they're not, they're just holding it. That's what's happening. They're holding it. And they're also um, creating and manufacturing a food shortage with what they're doing to the farmers around Canada. And they're also withholding seeds in Alberta and BC. And there are, are, I think we have seven major distributors of wheat seeds or something like that. And so I'm going to be doing a podcast where people are, you know, explaining in detail what's going on, uh, but they're manufacturing it. And so if we are in an inflation period and let's say, okay, my house is valued, whatever it's valued at now, or people have these homes, if this is going to happen, how do they prepare for that? Because people are thinking, do I put my money in silver? Do I put it in Bitcoin? Do I buy land and try to farm on it? Like what, what is a strategic move uh, for doing this? Cause if you have a house that's worth whatever the amount is and they crash the the economy or something, maybe, maybe it devalues it because we're in a bubble or maybe they just hold it because what they really want to do is, um, you know, take all the land. They want to take all that. So the, the yep. IMF comes in as this world bank. So I guess that'll be my first question. Then I got, I'm going to throw a, a lot of comments at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll tell you a personal strategy, right? We're, we're buying, we're, we're, and, I, and I'm going to get into the, when I talk about solutions and I said, Hey, if I'm going to get back in this game, I want to do something that's going to have an impact. And I'll get into that. The, the, the technical part we're talking about now ties into my faith in the future, right? I think it's, we talk, it's going to get bumpy, but I'll give you my best guess on where things are going to go. We're, I got the foot to the gas pedal. I was, I was, you know, figuratively biting my fingernails for the last six months, chicken little sky is falling, but, but in a, in a very real and particularized way, cause I've been through this before. Right. So my buddy, you know, Roy is my partner um, on projects. Um, the handles a lot of the project management. Say, Todd, he goes, you, he, he got us, and he's, he knows what's up. You know, he, he served two tours overseas, Iraq, Afghanistan. You know, he's, he's been around the world. He's no slouch. He's like, dude, we, we just got to keep on moving. <clears throat> I said, I get it, but I don't want to be in the middle of projects and this whole thing comes crashing down. Because after Trump, you know, after, after the election was stolen, phrase it, after the election was stolen, I was like, man, what's coming next, right? What, if they stole the election and this was rigged, Bill Gates is buying up all the farmland in the U.S. Like we talked, we had, we got we got some heirloom seeds for Christmas. Like I'm I'm doing. We got chickens, right? And you know we're we're planning for the my wife's planning for the apocalypse as well. But on a business standpoint, I said, you know what? And this is kind of comes from my faith in the future. I said, you know what? It's it's going to rain. It's going to rain. Let's put the foot to the gas pedal and get as many projects done and get as many resources as we can and convert all of this, you know, paper assets into something tangible, you know, mostly silver, um, not as much gold and uh, Bitcoin. You know, I, I'm not a crypto guy as far as like my knowledge. I know enough. Um, I lucked out, bought Bitcoin at 10,000. It, it peaked at 60. It's like 58,000 today. Um, but I'm heavy more in the precious metals. And if, if you guys know Robert Kiyosaki, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've been doing this for 20 years. You, you, you do cash hits and use your cash you make, whether it's a business or real estate, to buy cash flowing assets. And I try to make sure the cash flowing assets that I'm buying, whether it's, it's investment property, businesses, and we're, I got a couple of businesses we're looking at buying, um, have as much insulation around them that the government does want to come take your business or your farm, that I've got the best chance of them not taking it. 
So I'm not doing AI. I'm not in that tech space. I'm I'm doing. I'm looking at boring like construction business. I know construction pretty well. Yeah, I've done it. You know, all over I'm building houses since I was in high school. Um, a construction business isn't going to get um, uh, disrupted by artificial intelligence tomorrow. An HVAC guy still has to put run the duct work and hook it up, and a plumber's got a problem. So like we're doing, we have a bunch of projects right now, and I got to meet a plumber tomorrow morning at seven thirty. And walk a project. We got a problem solved. We, we double the size of an existing house. We got to rerun plumbing. A robot can't do that yet. So I'm sticking with sectors that are not going to be replaced by artificial intelligence. And real estate, I'm, I'm trusting. I'm puckered up. I'm puckered up doing projects because I know this is not sustainable. I've always been puckered up. For you know, anybody that's an entrepreneur knows you, you work up, wake up with a certain level of stress every day in a good way, right? You just got to get it every day. Just knowing my history, I told Roy, I said, if shit crashes and burns, which it is going to at some point, let's have, we got two projects think we're yet. Yeah, we're doing two with debt, the hard money lender, where we'll put like 10% down, they'll fund the rest. And the rest of ours are equity. So I figure if those, I said, if those two properties go sideways, because, and we always follow a formula, I don't cross 70%, say a house is worth a hundred thousand um, and stop me if I'm, I'm losing anybody. But if a house is worth a hundred thousand dollars, I, for 25 years, I was taught never cross over $70,000 all in purchase rehab or purchase build. And I know these numbers are low, but if you never go past 70,000 or 70% of your after built or after repaired value, even if it's a condo project, $3 million condo project, three times seven is 21. You never want to be more than 2.1 million on a $3 million condo project because if the market tanks 15, 20%, you can still refinance out of your development or construction loan and still cash flow the property, hopefully, and get enough rent. So that I've never violated that discipline. And I, I pass on dozens of deals every week because all these fools are in the market now, right? Just like in 2007, driving up prices because they went to a seminar last week and they think they know real estate. I don't mean to sound arrogant, but they're messing the market up now because that's what's spiraling it up. Just this mass, just like the stock, it's greed. Greed, 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 driving it, and it's going to crash. So I figure if shit goes sideways, we're exposed. I said, let's no max more than like two properties. Let's have equity for the rest. And the last kind of from a real estate perspective, if anybody's interested, this is a really cool model. We've been offering to rehab somebody's property. So let, let's take your house, right? Hey, Todd, I want to sell my house. I need to get X. I'm like, Matt, I got to pay cash at this price. They're like, Todd, that's not going to work. I need, I need another you know, 20 grand above that. I'm like, well, hey, how about this? If you don't need your cash right away, you want to sell your house to me. It needs a fix up. Why don't you just hold the deed? I'll do the rehab out of pocket and we cut out all those closing costs and hard money fees and I'll get paid in the back end. I'll just be a, a payee on your, your closing statement. And I only know like one or two people in the whole country doing that. And we've got deals that are coming in now. We've done several and we got one in Virginia right now. We just picked up. So somebody's like, Hey, that works. I can give you, I can give Matt his price. We'll rehab it out of pocket. We'll get our rehab money back. I'll put a loan and I'll put a second mortgage in your properties to secure our money. And we get our profit and our rehab money back and it's win-win. And that deal, that solves the problem. All these properties getting bid up because we can't pay cash for them. So that's a way of lowering your risk because if things go sideways, worst comes to worst, at least I'm secured with my own investment. Um, but it's a win for you. You get your price, we get our profit and we're cutting out the middleman and cutting out all the hard money fees and the double closing costs. And that's, that's a, hybrid model we've been doing and we're doing three of them right now and we just did another one a couple months ago and i'm constantly giving that out to all my network hey if this your deal's kind of thin 
how about this solution? And we got more and more people saying yes to that. So that's my real estate thing. And then I'm taking my money and I'm buying cash flowing assets. We got a couple of businesses we're looking at, multifamily, um, and, and linking to the asset classes too. I'm a real estate guy. I was looking at doing a small residential assisted living last May or last March. I was this close to buying a property because of the baby boomers, right? My in-laws, as an example, baby boomers are just, they've been driving this. There can be a need for small residential assisted living, not the big box stuff. And I was this close to buying a place and converting it to a 10 bed facility. And the cash was like 10, 20 grand a month. Like you'd have to have a ton of doors and multifamily to get the same cash flow with, with eight or 10 beds. And then fucking COVID hit. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy that's an operator of a you know, small residential assisted living and somebody dies in my facility or they die, you know, failure to thrive because they couldn't see their family for six months because my aunt died. You know, I'm, it breaks my heart. I didn't see her. I never saw her for a year. And my cousin was distraught. And it just, you know, so I'm sure everybody in this call probably has knows somebody who died in a nursing home and couldn't see their kids or, you know, their family. And I was like, you know what, as much as that's an awesome model, and I, I was going to do a lot of cool stuff with memory care and like a really cool model. I'm not touching re- residential assisted living because of COVID because we know it's all bullshit, but I don't want the state putting their thumb on me, telling me I, I got to follow. I don't wear a mask, right? I, I'm, I'm not going to follow these bullshit guidelines. I'll be safe, but I'm not going to have some senior, some dad that dies alone in, a, in, a, in a, one of our assisted living places because the state's telling me I can't let somebody in to go see him. Like I, I, just can't. And it's a damn shame because there's so many opportunities to provide good quality, not big box, like hundred units, like small residential, you know, very community oriented, but I'm not touching that asset class and it sucks. So we're sticking with multifamily uh, mobile home parks because, you know, affordable housing is a huge need, right? Huge need for affordable housing. And we're looking at mobile home parks. And then because we're, we turn around distressed assets. If you look on LinkedIn, it's my background. That's what I've been doing for, you know, I've bought non-performing debt. We focus on really distressed assets. What, um, about, so, yeah. what, what about for the, like, I guess what I'm asking though, is what about for the individual? Like you're the person, like a lot of people are going to be losing their homes or they ha- they might be sitting in a home that uh, has a, a little bit of value right now. Like I'm just thinking like the average, I, what, I, yeah. what I see happening on mass is uh, just the average family, like maybe they're, they're, they have a house that kind of went up a little bit, but they're like, whoa, if this housing crash happens, do we sell our house that we're on this bubble when it's up and, and, and get something Perfect. smaller or what do we do? Yeah. So, so, so like Bitcoin, right. And I'll, I'll, I'll do Bitcoin for, for the average person. I don't know. I don't know when it's going to go up or down. Right. I cashed out um, a little bit the other day, right. Because it, it, it was like 58, it peaked at 63. Somebody said it's going to go to 90. Like, you know what? Pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. My accountant taught me that like 20 years ago. It's like, don't be a hog. You know, you can be a pig. Don't be a hog. So I started cashing out. So let's go to the house now. Say it's you, right? Like Todd, you know, we have this house. We got, we got you know, $100,000 in equity in the past couple of years. I can't tell you when it's going to crash. I, I wish I could. If you think that equity is more important to you now, just know, say you, say you make this decision, you know what? We're sitting on equity position. It's gone up crazy, crazy. Let's sell it. If you want to buy another house, you're buying into the same market, right? So now you're stuck paying an inflated price. If, if, and I'm going to stratify the, the, the um, age ranges. If you're 30, you're going to do something different than if you're 60. So let me do my in-laws, right? We, we, we're the house I'm in now. We, it was purposely built as an in-law by the people prior to us. They spent half a year here with us, another half in New Hampshire. 
they're very risk averse. We did a ton of rentals with them. We've invested with them for years. Um, we probably have, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in equity in this house. We, we live out in the country and, it, and it's going up. If they said tomorrow, hey, we'd like to cash out of this, I'd be told, I'm not even on title here. I'm not even on title of this house, right? But if they said they want to do that and cash out, I would do it. And I'd say, you know, we'll find a different place. But if they wanted to cash out their equity because they're nervous, they, they have government pensions, they work for the Postal Service, and they, they're, they're good. But if they wanted to cash out equity now, I'd be totally fine with it. You know, we love, we love, we love three acres. We're out in the country with cows and horses and stuff, but I would do it because they're at a different point in life than us. We could find another house. So if you're older and you think, Hey, I've got a really good equity position and I want to find a condo or I want to find somewhere and I want to downsize. I don't know when it's going to crash, but I just think when I saw a two by four go from $5 and 80 cents to $7 and 32 cents in 30 days, I've never, ever seen commodity prices gyrate like that and we're, i've walked i walked away from 18 lot development project no i'm sorry eight lot development project because the cost of building was so much and the, the guy was telling me that that had the lots he said todd he goes but you're missing the point you can sell the house for more i was like you know what i'm not going to speculate I'm, I'm going off what that house is worth today i'm not going to buy your, these eight lots from you and build at today's building prices and cross my fingers that's speculating. And I've never done that because I, so if you want to sell out your house and you're 70 years old, I would cash in the equity now, plan on renting or buying, you know, if you want to downsize, do it now. And if it's your own, I don't know how it is in Canada, but in the States here, you don't pay any capital gains if it's your own personal residence and you lived in it for more than two years. So most people can cash out tax-free, right? If you're 30 and you're saying, hey, I've got, say you're San Francisco or some, you know, some town that where the, the assets have gone up or say you're in Toronto. I know a developer in Toronto and things are, it's like Manhattan, it's cuckoo there. Um, and you're 30 and you say, Hey, I want to make a lot of cash right now and quit my job be an entrepreneur, do it. But just know that once again, you're buying into the same market you're selling into. So you, you may want to say, Hey, you know what? I got a hundred thousand dollars. I bought a condo or a townhouse in downtown Toronto or say Vancouver, wherever. And I'm, I can make, you know, I'd make $200,000 in equity. If you want to do it now, I don't think it's going to keep going. But once again, I don't, I just think in 2006, 2007, cab drivers were giving you stock tips, right? Real estate tips. You got to, everybody, their mother is a wholesaler now. And I'm seeing everybody is in this business. And I'm like, you know, I saw it in 2006, saw it in 2007. I knew it was going to crash. I just think it's a matter of, you know, time. It could be a year, it could be two years. I'm not the Federal Reserve. I can't keep printing money. But if you want to cash out in your 30, plan on renting. That's what I would do, right? Um, plan, on, plan on renting because if you want to cash out and make a couple hundred grand, I wouldn't buy into an inflated market because now you just took all your gains and you're plopping 200 grand down in another property and you're buying an inflated property. So most 30-something-year-old um, if you're going to cash out, just accept the fact that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy again. I would rent, find an affordable rental. Um, and you've got more flexibility now because you can move. Some people are like, Todd, that's stupid. Why would I throw my money away towards rent? Well, you might be throwing money away towards rent for a year or 18 months, but if you hold on, hold on, hold on, and the economy crashes, you can lose a couple hundred grand in equity. And I've seen people do it, you know, depending on what your houses were. And you're better off throwing, you know, 18 or two grand away a month in rent. Um, but you've got all those equities and if you want to travel the world or do whatever, it all depends on, it's a, I'm giving two different examples of older example, 
younger example, people in the middle, like if you have kids, you know, we're, we're my one daughter starting high school, the other one's got two years of middle school. We're pretty much here. We're, we live in Maryland and Maryland, you know, it's DC to Boston is like California. It's total left coast. It's the same, it's the same people, same liberal elites, right? DC to Boston is almost the same landmass as California. I would move out of Maryland in a heartbeat. I grew up here. It's where we live is beautiful, but I'm like, you know what? We're here for the duration. But when, when I moved to Florida, we're thinking about it. Cause I'll, you know, we talked about before we have friends that are breaking around on a house in Florida. There's a ton of people that moved to Florida, but I know taxes are insane here, but I know how to, I know how the ways around legally not paying taxes. I can work Maryland to my advantage. So I'm kind of in the middle there. I'm not 70 and I'm not 30. I'm 53. We're here until our kids finish school. And so if you're that person, I try to cover all three, older, younger, and kind of, you know, kids. If you like your schools or your homeschooling or whatever, your homeschooling, you have flexibility. You could go wherever. Um, our kids are, you know, they fortunately got scholarships. They're in private school. So we're here for the duration. I'm going to make the best that I can in Maryland here. I'm not going to sell out. And we have a bunch of equity in this house. Um, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to, I'm not, I didn't buy this house to speculate. I bought it for a roof over my head. So there's kind of people with kids, young, old. And then if you, and then we get to the last scenario, if you think your house is at risk, if you say you read your mortgage documents, like, oh my God, they could, I could just look the wrong way. They could foreclose on me. And you think, say this lady that has this farm and say you have a farmer that says, Hey, I'm in this belt where Bill Gates is looking to buy up my shit or Monsanto or whatever. If you think you're in an at-risk position, no matter your age, and you say, Hey, my property is like eminent domain. They want to put a highway through here or whatever. If you think you're home you're in or your property or farm or land is at risk, you might want to take a look at refining out of that risk. See if you can find peer-to-peer lending. See if you can find a small local community bank. Now, granted, they're part of the cabal as well, but the loan we have on our house here is with a small local community bank. It's not with Bank of America, Wells Fargo. One, it's on principle, but two, it's a local bank. I know they didn't sell the note. They, it's a portfolio lender. They, they've got it. I know they do. So if you're if you're an at-risk property, I would try to figure out a way to get out of that. If you think they're going to take your house, try to get out of it. And there are, if you if you search peer-to-peer lending, there's a lot more ways you can get out of that loan you have with Royal Bank of Canada or whatever. So that, I try to cover four areas. That is that helpful? Yeah, yeah. It's really in depth. I I, I think I forgot uh, you're in the real estate game for the uh, the depth of the answer, but I think it was really helpful because it's a common question that I see in a lot of the groups that I'm in. A lot uh, of the people that I know I'm speaking to, they're thinking, how can I get to some land? What do we do about this inflation, you know, this, infl- you know, this inflated market? Um, so a lot of people are trying to make a big move. So it's, it's good to hear people's perspective and understanding, like you said, around the law and the taxes and the things you've gone into. So I'd love to kind of move into solutions because there's so many, well, and I, I do want to talk about super soldiers and the friggin' ET thing that you heard about. Cause I've heard some stories. I've experienced some weird stuff, uh, you know, myself. Um, but I'm, a, that's kind of a side note. I want to keep it to the most yeah. important stuff that we can chat on. Maybe we'll have to get you back on again to just even go into the fun super soldier stuff. I don't know if it's fun but uh it's something that i'm just intrigued by but um okay let's stay focused this is my understanding of what's going on it seems like these groups of people these elite uh the bankers right because the bankers conquered europe right you got the kaiserian mafia got all these different things they start conquering countries through the banking 
right? And so then all of a sudden you've got um, the concrete of the United States with the Federal Reserve, right? So it's yep. not even, well, there's some other factors as well. Um, Canada, the same thing. So you've got these bankers that are conquering countries, right? And then you've got their front line as these judges. And they basically all go to this kind of satanic Luciferian cult that they actually have a whole different way of life. They have different belief systems. Uh, they actually do witchcraft and satanic rituals that are sick beyond belief. We've got human yeah. trafficking. We've got some horrific stuff going on. Yep. And you and I know that that actually exists. And so you've got this group of people, like when you went to the FBI and you went to these agencies, you said, hey, these banks are, are really harming the average person and so these mega banks can just destroy families right so now you've got this you know acting world health organization that's got this plan to take over well them in cahoots with many other things right attacking the U united states of america you know it's it's on overdrive right now with this covid nonsense and and you know we've got agenda 2030 and all this horrific stuff every day yeah like you said it's like a new thing like we we're talking about going to florida it's like okay we're gonna go to florida because florida's making sense and you know they're they're fighting back and then all of a sudden they're gonna release millions of genetically modified mosquitoes like what right. the hell you know and if you know okay well you could go to texas well guess what if these people are that evil, they are prepared for Texas because that's like, all right, that state is a pit bull. You know what I mean? Well, what do you do when you know it's a pit bull? You prepare for that, right? So they're going to have some sort of uh, preparation for that. So, so it seems like this organized system of crime, it's a crime syndicate in government, right? These governments are not for the people. Uh, we look for I guess law or freedom for remedy, like our, oh yeah, this is where I want to go with it. What I found interesting was that in studying the law, the people that really knew their stuff, they told me the 1611 King James Bible is the contract on the planet, um, which is fascinating because in the Bible, it's got Jesus and Lucifer and Lucifer is the king of deceit. And there's also this witchcraft and, and weird stuff. And so they keep telling me it's consent based, but a lot of this stuff does not seem like consent. You know what I mean? A lot of like, I know there's deceptive consent. I'm like, okay, I can kind of let that deceptive uh, consent pass. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I still think it's nonsense, but what, there's a lot of other stuff like these genetically modified mosquitoes, all this other stuff. I'm like, that really does not feel like consent. What is going on here? And when Cal Washington was on the show, he talked about these spiritual realms and these spiritual jurisdictions. And so one of the things that concerns me is this savior narrative, right? Because I think that's what that Q thing was about. And you look at the Bolshevik revolution, they did the same thing. And I was yeah. hopeful and, and maybe it's true, you know, I hope so, right? But you look at the data points of what's going on, but I'm not going to count on it. It looks like there's a lot more data points for a very bad thing happening because look at how, what happened in one year. There is some resistance going on, but then I, I've heard about things about the UN troops on Canadian soil and all these different, you know, terrifying things. If it keeps yep. pressing down and the gray state and all that stuff. So this is a huge ramble, but all of that cluster mess of information. I'm just curious uh, what you, if you agree with most of it, and then how do we move toward the solutions in this phase? And what do you, what do you see that's happening? That's positive because I know that you've, you've thought about a few things that are, are moving in a positive direction and, and give you cause for hope. A perfect question. And we talked, I'm so glad you brought that up because um, I, I mentioned before you started recording when I said, if I'm going to stick my neck up again, right. And get back in this game, I'm not doing the same thing I did before. And, and I, I did it. I took, I, as a matter of fact, I took things further than I, I know of anybody. And I was, I, I ran in those circles, right. Other, I wasn't the only one fighting the banks. 
Neil Garfield, give an example. Um, and this is, it's a, it's a segue. Neil Garfield, um, livinglies.com. I think he's, I think he's still alive. His website stuff. A lot of guys I know like got taken out heart attacks, you know, all, I'm not going to get into all the people that, that, that died when back when I was doing my thing, but Neil Garfield was one of the best. He was, he was a wall street lawyer. His parents owned um, seats in the stock exchange. He used to work for the banks and he was an insider that, that exposed a lot of the same stuff. I was one of the best lawyers in the country he came out of retirement. His wife had died and he was right there going after the banks. Like I was, and this guy's way more accomplished than me, right? Spent his whole career on wall street as an attorney. And I tried to get Neil to do some of the stuff I was doing, right? Go suing to get your note back. I couldn't get him to do it. I tried all over the country and I, I think I took things as far that I, that of all the people I know, I think that I took things further than I, than anybody else I know of. So when I said, I'm going to stick my neck, out, I'm not doing the same thing all over again. It's stupid, right? It's, it's the definition of insanity. So this is where, um, so anybody that's spiritual on this call or you're atheist, doesn't matter, right? Literally a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, not, not a month, a little over a month ago, a month and a half ago, I think now I said, you know, this is after I wiped, no, probably two months ago now. I said, I wiped all my stuff off Facebook. I thought, you know, if they come knock on my door, because they're doing that, right? They're coming around the country knocking people. Because when I was walking on Constitution Avenue, it's amazing how many Chinese were at that, that rally, like down with the CCP. I talked to so many Chinese people that, were, that, that, that know the history, right? And um, they had facial recognition. You could see all the cameras. They got me just as much as everybody else, right? So they could come knock on my door one day, whatever. But I thought, if I'm going to stick my neck out, I want to do something that's going to make an impact this time. And I want to swing for the fences. I'm not doing the same shit I did before. You know, like I said, God loves Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood. I respect them greatly, but that whole judicial system broke it. And I knew that 10 years ago. And some of the judges that actually stood up, I'm not going to go back in history, but if you Google the, the credit river decision, no, don't, don't use Google. Do Google's go use DuckDuckGo. If you search the credit river decision, um, that was a 1960s court case where a guy getting foreclosed on was a lawyer. And the judge essentially said, yeah, these banks are creating money out of thin air. It's fraud. And he ruled, he ruled for the homeowner, which happened to be a lawyer back in the 60s. It was in Minnesota. And I'm just sharing this because I'm coming to the solutions. That judge, Martin Mahoney, who, who ruled in favor for the homeowner that day, um, six months later, he quote unquote drowned, but his body was pumped full of poison. And it was, very, it was a very specific message to any judge, like, don't fuck with the banks. Well, you know, if you don't really do what we do, if you don't have personal interest because you're invested in the same bank stocks, you're litigating a total conflict of interest, we'll just take you out. That's why the Supreme Court's compromised, right? Clarence Thomas was the only one that wrote a dissenting opinion on that one case for election fraud. And then they, then what did they do? They canceled Clarence Thomas during Black History Month on Amazon. They took his fucking documentary off the air because he's the one that wrote the dissenting opinion. All the rest of them went along for the fucking ride. Um, so anyway, so I said, you know, if I'm going to step up this time, I'm doing, I'm going to do something that makes an impact and God, fate, universe, Allah, Buddha, whatever you want to call it would have it. Two days later, I get a notice for, um, an interview with uh, Jesse Zobatar, C-Z-E-B-O-T-A-R. And it's on that freedom and free markets. There's a link in there to her. Um, and she was on Michael Jaco's channel. If anybody heard of Michael Jaco, he's a former SEAL team six CIA spiritual warrior and michael jaco was in the secret space program um and he 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 tells stories when he was a private contractor after he got out of the seal team still team six like the delta, delta guys did hostage rescue and shit when he was in the cia as a private contractor he was in iraq and he became an intuitive warrior he learned about remote viewing 
right? He took the men who stare at sheep goats, that kind of stuff. And he said, I could tell before we went on a mission, we were going to get attacked. And that's how this guy has taken his consciousness to a whole other level, right? He was a, he was a warrior, but he also is a spiritual warrior now. And so I've been following him for six, eight months. He has Gene Decode on there. talks about all the dumbest bases being liberated, right? If you follow Gene Decode, Michael Jaco. Um, well, he had, as fate would have it, two days later after I said, hey, I'm going to start doing this, but I want to make an impact. Jesse Zobatar was on his um, show. And Jesse Zobatar, like anybody that hasn't heard of her, she, Jesse was being groomed to be the queen mother of darkness. Like the, the queen mother of darkness, not a, uh, not one of the queen mother of darkness. Same story as MK Ultra, five, four, five years old. Her grandmother was her handler. And here's who she had for trainers when she was a kid being groomed for the, the dark side. John Brennan was one of her trainers, like the John Brennan CIA director under Obama, right? Him. Uh, Michael Aquino was one of her trainers. Aquino, if anybody knows him, he was in, he was a military intelligence captain major he was openly in the church of Satan army had no problem with it. He, he practiced all the black magic, sex magic, wrote books about it. He was, and he called it mind construct, not mind control. So these were the people that were her trainers when she was a kid. And if you listen to Jesse Zobatar talk about her experiences, it's like Jason Bourne, like I said, on steroids, demonic shit, satanic stuff, crazy, like all the stuff we've heard of the, the sacrifices. I'm not going to get into all the graphic stuff. And you wonder, okay, why is she alive? She's probably in her forties now. She literally, and, not, and like I said, atheist, spiritual alike, just hear, hear her story. Jesse said, I found literally God at a young age. And she said, that is what's protected me through all the shit she's been through. I'm talking like fights to the death. Like when she was five, six, seven years old, being thrown into a room and pitch black darkness. And she could tell story after story after story. And she was actually consulting some of the military in the last couple of years on some of these um, child trafficking um, rescue missions because she knew all the dumbs bases. She knew the entry points, exit points, she knew the tunnels because she used to be trained down there. So I'm like, isn't this interesting? I'm saying, hey, I'm going to get back in this fight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something you know, big this time. And I get turned on to her. And I'm, I'm not going to do it justice. I recommend anybody go to Google or search YouTube, Jesse, C-Z-E-B-O-T-A-R, or go to Freedom and Free Markets and watch one of the interviews with her. She's on right on radio. She's on the Reveal Report. And if you watch Jesse's interview on the, the Reveal Report, George Iceman was into the occult and he has, you know, come around to the light side and he's had her on multiple times talking about how to win this battle. So I'm going to spoiler alert. I was telling you before we got on air, Matt, Good wins out over evil. And I've I've never been, no, no people listening never met me before. You haven't met me before. I wasn't a religious guy. I was brought up Catholic, kind of like more or less, but I, I hated all that shit. You know, I, I, I know about Noah and Adam and Eve, but, but I was like, unless I see it, I think like a lot of life force, right? I know there's a there's there's some kind of force. I didn't really believe it was God. I've seen the Dead Sea Scrolls and I've seen different evidence. But one of the links I put on my channel was to a, um, a doctor who his, his niche is end of life hospice. And he's, he uh, has a ton of interviews of people that had near death experiences, not just one, like hundreds. And they talk about the tunnel and the white light and you're seeing your dad or you're not ready, go back or you're ready. Come with my aunt. I told you that died in a nursing home. 
when my cousin talked to her like a week before she was dead, she said, yeah, I, I, I um, talked to Trudy and Trudy was her cousin who just had died a month before. And we had a party together and, and I can't wait to see her again. And a couple weeks later, she's dead. Coincidence, maybe. But if you listen to that, that doctor, it's talking to these people with near-death experiences, died in an operating room table, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm 100% convinced as a non-spiritual guy growing up, you know, dragging, kicking and screaming to go to Catholic church. Um, and we know all the problems. I, I got married in a Unitarian church. My wife and I did. Like my in-laws like almost fell over. Like, oh my God, you're not getting married Catholic. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. When I listen to Jesse talk about like God, like the God and, and, and she is so spiritually can connect it. You listen to her talk about it. She's very calm, has a peaceful peacefulness about her. And when she was on Michael Jaco's interview, she was talking about how we're going to win this. And she said, if you read Revelations, I don't, I'm, I don't profess to know any of this stuff. I'm just learning it myself. In the end, Satan loses. God, there's a real Satan. This, this shit's as real as real can be. And it gives me the goosebumps thinking about it. The good is going to win. God is going to win. But we're going to go through a tribulation period. And so I'm going to leave it at that. I, I highly encourage anybody, atheists alike, go, go find Jesse Zobatar on the Right On Radio, the Reveal Report. Spend a couple of weeks watching interviews. You can, you can decide whether, um, hang a second, low battery here, whether it's um, you know BS or not, and make your own decision. But Jesse goes into how to win this battle. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but she talks about taking back these demonic strongholds, anointing the land. And anybody that's got a spiritual background and, and, and you know, has read scripture will know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to go too much deeper for anybody that doesn't. But she's physically talking about how to take back Hollywood and how to take back demonic strongholds. And she goes into an incredible, um, one of her shows talks about all the symbolism. You know, example, the, the Washington Monument we know in Washington, D.C. is 666 feet tall, right? It's 666, right? The obelisk. And the Masonic stuff and, and Tesla. Um, and Tesla's symbol on the Tesla car. I mean, she she knows the occult so well because she was being groomed in this, right? And she talks about stories where that her grandmother tried killing her because she knew she, she was, was not going to take that seat as a queen mother of darkness. And they tried killing her multiple times when she was a kid. And now she was, I mean, the stories will like blow your mind if you have never heard this before. So I've, I've, fully convinced that it good is going to win out of evil. It literally is. This isn't Republican Democrat. We know about all that, you know, black, white, all this stuff is to keep us fighting among one another, right? Young, old, whatever. It's, it's good versus evil. And Jesse has a very real day to day. This is how we, we take back the land. We anoint the land. And I'm hearing story after story after story. And I'm seeing things myself. I'm seeing these, these bizarre coincidences happen. People I'm turned on to. And so I'm going to leave the spiritual part of that of like why good wins over evil. We just don't know how bad it's going to get in between. You and I talked about it before we started recording. I think it's going to get bad. We see it all. Everything you just said, it's, it's going to get ugly. I do have faith that we're going to get through this. Am I going to still alive when it's over? I don't know. I, I hope, I hope we are, but um, I do believe that's why I get out of bed every day and I don't, you know, pull the covers over my head and, you know, crawl into a bottle or whatever, because I, you could, right. We all, we all have our, our weaknesses, you know, in mind my, you know, my kids, but I do believe good's going to win. I think it's going to get ugly in between. They could take all my shit. I don't own anything, but they could come, you know, take my possessions. They could take me out, but I know good's going to win over evil. One of the thing I want to say in relation to this is I can never reconcile 
the aliens and God. Because if anybody's followed the Bible, you know about the, the Nephilim, like the fallen angels that bred with the, the mortal women so they could get access to the, the, the um, spiritual gates. And that's real, right? The time travel stuff, Project Montauk. It's fascinating listening to Jesse talk about it. She was, she's like, hey, I was in Germany. I could pass things telepathically to somebody in Chicago. There's a huge spiritual gate in Chicago. And she remembers time traveling. And, and, but it's, it's more on the spiritual side, not the alien side. So literally just last week, she reconciled the aliens and heaven and God. And she said, look, all the stuff, the technology we see, Area 51, spaceships, the, the Anunnaki, right? And all that stuff. She said, that's part, there's, there's a light side that poses as light, but they're really dark. And then there's, there's the dark side. So she said, some of the light you see, you know, Gaia, you know, different alliance. Some of that, she said, really is angelic stuff posing as a, a, a light alien, right? She said, it, she said, I'm telling you, it comes back. She said, if you want to look at technology, we have spiritual technology. And she said, the government's been in the spirit realm for 40 years. She said, if, if, if the government tomorrow ran a story in the New York Times said, hey, the government's been operating in the spirit realm for 40 years, most people would like fall over. Like that can't, they, most people can't even accept aliens, right? Spaceships. If she said we've been in the, in the spiritual realm, like literally fighting in the spiritual realm, off planet stuff, people, it's just, it's too shy. It's, it's um, cognitive dissonance, right? There's, we all had, when all of us woke up, we all had a level of cognitive dissonance. Um, I don't have anymore because I've been so exposed, but I had it. I had it too. I was like, this is unbelievable. It doesn't make sense. So as a solution, I, I don't want to do a disservice to Jesse. I suggest you get familiar with her, watch her interviews, see the, the how to, how to start seeing the occult symbols on buildings, school buildings, government. I can see it now, the flags of countries. She's fascinating how she, did, she decodes everything and how to attack those strongholds, those demonic strongholds with this spiritual aspect and claiming back the land. And it's very pragmatic. It's not just, oh, you know, pray to God and, you know, say three Hail Marys and whatever, you know. Um, it's very pragmatic. And that's the path that I've gone on because I said, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm not going to go against the judge. I'm going higher than that. I'm, I'm going to tap into a spirit realm that's way more power. I'm just immortal. I can't shape shift. I can't walk through walls. I can't remote view. It's not, I, I don't have those skills, but I'm tapping in. I'm literally day to day getting my skills up more and more to tap into that higher consciousness because I think that's the way it's going to win. And I'm seeing these weird serendipitous things happen. And, and it's like, I'll give you a, a real life example. It seems like minor. We were finishing a house, had to do punch out. I didn't want to, the guy, our guys going to Home Depot. So I had to go three times in one day. I haven't been to Home Depot in six months. Walked in, no mask, right? Big old sign, you must be masked. I'm the only guy in the entire Home Depot, three times in two days, no mask, right? And in one of the aisles, and a lady says, excuse me. I was like, here we go. She's going to say, you don't have a mask, right? Because I've gotten that before. I ignored her, right? Because I was like, I don't want to deal with it. She kept saying, excuse me. She asked me to help her pick out a sump pump for her house. I spent 15 minutes. She pulled her mask down, said, and she's probably 75 years old at risk. We had a conversation 10, 15 minutes going over sump pumps because she didn't know which one to get. And she said, thank you so much for helping. I said, no problem. I go to the self-checkout. There's a lady there. And she comes over. I was like, oh, here we go. She said, can I help you? I said, I'm all set. She goes, okay, just let me know. She says, have a good day. She winked at me. I'm the only guy in the whole store without a mask on, right? I'm out in the, so all the this all happened in the same visit to Home Depot. I'm out in the parking lot. Some guy's trying to help 
get a lawnmower up into his truck, probably 60, 70 years old, nobody helping him. I'm walking past said, Hey, do you need help? And he said, yeah, I really would appreciate it. And he sees me no mask on. It's like I walk up to him and he jumped back. He said, I would really appreciate some help. I can't get this, this uh, lawnmower in my truck, help with a lawnmower's truck. He said, Hey, thank you. Have a good day. All three of those people, not one of them said a word to me about wearing a mask. Just constant, just this fate. I'm in the same aisle with this lady needed help. Lady at the cash register said, you know, hey, have a good day. Can I help you? Didn't say security, security, you guys have a mask on, right? And then the guy out in the parking lot helped him lift the lawnmower in his truck and I get in my car and go on my way. I think there's an energy that comes through me. It's not me. I think if you carry yourself a certain way, like that, like that priest up in uh, uh, Canada, during the, remember the Polish priest that said, get out of my church? Everybody, that went viral. If you watch that video, you notice how his voice started, get out, you're not welcome here. And his voice got higher and higher and higher. He was channeling to me, channeling an energy that it was just coming through him. And you watch four cops and two public health officers turn around and walk out. I think he was channeling an energy that was greater than him. And I think that's how I, and I, I don't, some people that are atheists might say, Hey, this guy's full of shit. That's, that's fine. But I've seen too many examples. You probably had examples too, spiritual examples, right? It might be coincidences or serendipity. Now that it makes sense to me, I don't think it's serendipity anymore. I think we can all channel that energy and we take it back one interaction at a time, one building at a time, one relationship at a time. And I think if we all, like we talked about earlier, we all collectively do this. Jack Canfield talked about the Chicken Soup for the Soul co-author, how people one day had like this world prayer for peace day. And literally it was proof. They did it multiple times. Crime rates went down. Violence in the Middle East went down. Terror attacks went down. And it, and I heard that 10 years ago. I didn't make a whole lot of it. So that's my parting thought is I think if we tap into that energy and, and carry it out in our daily lives, we're going to make a difference. And, and after that, it's all I got, man. I don't know how bad it's going to get. We all might get turned into locusts. Like or you know, end up <laughs> dead in a flood, right? I, I joke because because locusts were part of the Bible, right? They they, yeah. they flooded like the Pharaoh. So, so I'll take a break there. Um, ask me any questions you want, and um, you know, hopefully I can shed some light. Yeah, well, you know, I appreciate I appreciate all that. Uh, there's definitely a lot I want to uh, chat about. You know, I think that your example there of going through the the store, it's simple, um, and some people might think it's not special. But I remember because I haven't worn a mask during all this, you know, just a couple times because I couldn't get into um, yep. Costco because I needed Same. some crap and I wasn't about yep. to. Yep. Right? They, they're yep. they're the hard stronghold doing the illegal thing. I, I've, um, I've I've done it. Yep. Yeah. So, but, yep. but basically none. And then, so, you know, there's one time I was accosted. Right. And then, you know, so I had a bit of fear energy sometimes. Right. Cause yep. know, it's just crazy. in the States is even crazier than here. Um, but Ontario is pretty bad, but um, I then kind of switched my energy. I went to, I was reminded by this podcast I did with Cal Washington Cal Washington's guy really knows law, uh, really spiritual type of guy and i recommend you actually listen to that interview because yeah. i was like what are you talking about goes into the bible and so basically king james version 1611 supposed to be the contract on the planet he said he would go in there um to the court and he would write certain things but he said when he when he brought in the watchers when he wrote the watchers uh he said i think there's spiritual realms when you're talking about jurisdiction and i'll send you that video too he talks about you know each jurisdiction but he goes i think it goes to infinite jurisdiction in spiritual realms and so 
I thought about that and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of pray when I go into the store. And then I yeah. said, all right, I'm going to call in the watchers or angels and I'm going to switch yeah. my energy. And it was a much more pleasant experience. And then I was reminded of this uh, verse and I, I pulled it up here. So I get it right. It's Psalms 23, four. And it said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yeah. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff uh, comfort me, which is so nuts that like I grew up a uh, Baptist <laughs> Christian and I was very adverse to religion because I don't like, you know, bowing yeah. and, and, you know, pleading yeah. and all that. It doesn't make any sense and understood in a different way. It makes more sense. And what, what I think has happened is men have just distorted an original teaching to fit their own limited minds. But it's interesting that it's all going back to Christianity and um, the Bible. It's such a fascinating thing because everything is pointed there. Even how does that one book of all the religious books, this is one predicting Mark of the Beast, you know, just yeah. what it is. The data is just showing that that seems to be the book that, uh, you know, was the most accurate in predicting what's going on. But I would just watch this um, uh, five hour you know, X Factor winner reveals world secret religion. Uh, he was the, you know, he, this five yep. hour thing on, on the Mason. I watched and it. How, and yep. how, did you watch the whole thing? Yeah. I was, I was curious about the Masons. So I wanted to, you know, dive in and I knew some stuff here and there and they're, they're basically hiding, you know, that it's a satanic religion. What he's saying is that if Satanism is true and that for me, I knew a long time ago when I was looking into human trafficking and I, and I knew about Bohemian Grove and how many kids went missing each year. And I kind of knew about it, but I didn't want to believe it. Right. I learned about another thing and I didn't want to believe it because it's just so horrendous. But what he says at the end, which is which is great, he goes, "Well, if Satan and Lucifer exist, well, then God must exist too," and I and I thought that that was really comforting yeah. because my thought is that nature or that divine impulse that's always what these it's soulless creatures want you to do they want you to sell your soul you know you can see these musicians in hollywood all all of this is a predatory parasitic system all yeah. of it the judges the bankers every single thing is parasiting on people and we have dominion on this earth one of my teachers said that we have dominion over the land the air and the water law right and what's yep. happened is yep. they've done this unlawful conversion to put us into the creditor when we're doing the trust the administrator creditor debtor and the vatican has kind of put us over to the creditor side or sorry the debtor side and so when Correct. we die where the, it's the same dimensions as a ledger so that means they can their paperwork is super tight even when we're in the ground then they can take all of our stuff you know every kind of mineral or financial or any wealth we've ever had and they harvest it from us and it's so nuts that people they can't imagine that it could be this sick and twisted and and awful and on the flip side, if it if this is the end of times, quote unquote, if we align ourselves with this spiritual force that is cooperative, that is cohesive, that wants uh, respect and the golden rule and, you know, basically the Ten Commandments, I'm not here to harm you. If anything, I'm here to help you and assist the neighbor, you know, but at the same time, we're navigating really interesting realms where we also need to uh, be defensive because there's very deceptive systems out there. And like you said about the systems or those symbols, once you recognize them, then it's really easy. You, you can kind of recognize it in the language and what they're presenting. You can see it. But if you don't see it, you might be manipulated by somebody that doesn't have your best interests at heart. And that's where I feel like a lot of the, uh, you know, the rose colored sunglasses people need to wake up a little bit 
Uh, a lot of people out there, they couldn't imagine that it could be like this, but it's just like hypnosis or jujitsu. In hypnosis, if I get you to think of something and you don't know I'm manipulating you, it's going to work really great. And if you recognize I'm using a language pattern, you can render it null and void. Or if you're watching shows that are programming you for entertainment, but you don't understand the programming, you're going to be manipulated without even knowing it. And so we need to kind of address the system and then full um, direct all of our attention and our spirit into the other side of things. And, and the one thing I wanted to say that I forgot was, you know, Rudolf Steiner's work, he talked about a vaccine to destroy the spirit in all men. Yep. And it seems yep. to be their goal. The whole time is to get you to compromise your spirit, to sell your soul, uh, to make you void of spirit. And, and we need to connect to that energy. And that's the thing that's going to support us. So that's my rant. What do you think of that? You're, you're hundred percent. And, and I didn't even go there because I mean, we're almost for two hours now, but I maybe mean, start recording like 20 minutes in, but I didn't even get into the jurisdiction. I just mentioned jurisdiction, everything you were talking about just now about, we're basically chattel, you know, the birth certificate. And I, I have a copy of my birth certificate and I know where it was traded on fidelity, right? I've got the QCIP number, that's a QCIP number is a stock tracking number. I didn't even get into all that, but when I went down those rabbit holes, I understand how the birth certificate is essentially commoditized, right? And you, your, your human life is worth a certain amount of money over a lifetime. And they pull those together, like they pull mortgages and they have human capital bonds, right? And we're all just chattel property, right? And, and everything you said, and I, I remember talking to David Wynn Miller and who was a syntax grammar guy who he was able to beat mortgages that way. And Jay Gould, who supposedly reclaimed the, the, the actual flag in the United States and this is, I'm talking different jumping around, but this all, it comes back to jurisdiction. If you're in a spiritual jurisdiction or you're extrajudicial, you're not in their jurisdiction. They can't touch you. And just real quickly, top tap in the Mason part, I mentioned I um, had experience with that. We had a project, God, at least 10 years ago. Um, we were still living in New Orleans, but we were doing some projects in Baltimore, a row house in you know, DC to Boston. There's a lot of row houses in these big major cities. Um, and we had scaffolding three stories high. We had it tied off. The wind caught the scaffolding, really strong wind, blew the scaffolding over on a car. I'm like, oh, shit, right? Well, one of the guys that worked for us was in the Masons. Not, not too high up, but pretty high up. The guy, the car, the, the scaffolding fell on the car. It was in the Masons. They had the ring, you know. They went and had a conversation. The whole thing got dealt with. No insurance claim, no nothing. So I remember Chuck, Chuck, the guy who was in the Masons, I was like, hey, man, I owe you. He's like, don't worry about it. It's part of the, uh, um, my battery's low. Um, uh, I said, he, no problem. So I got a small taste of like direct experiences. Like the whole thing was just settled. I mean, it, this scaffolding like could have killed people. Like it broke the ropes and all went away. And I remember seeing a story, um, eight, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he was being groomed by his dad. Like Jesse was, there's a lot of kids that have those stories of being groomed to be in the cabal. Right. And 33rd degree is the white apron. And you get above that. It's the blue apron. That's when you get into the satanic stuff. And Jesse goes into this stuff because a lot of them have to have this front of doing humanitarian stuff. But behind the scenes, it's a that's a front. George Soros does, Obama does, Oprah does. Anybody you see doing humanitarian stuff, that they, that's part of their, their bargain with the devil. They have to do, and I'm not going to get into, she, she can explain it more. But the Masonic stuff, when you get about 34, that's when you get the blue apron and it's the evil stuff. Well, this guy that was being groomed said, I'm not doing it. He was a very spiritual guy. Long story short, the father was going to take him out. He said, I was out in a cabin somewhere, I think in Tennessee, and I sensed, he had a spiritual sense that there was a sniper out in the woods. So I took my shoes off, 
moonlight was out. I walked out in the grass and he started like communing with God. And he said, I know there's a sniper out there. My own dad is going to kill me because I'm not going to the dark side of the Masons. And he was very specifically took his shoes off because he was grounded to the earth. And the sniper came out of the woods and said, I, 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 I'm here to kill you. And I, and I just can't. And that story, I can't remember the guy's name. Can't remember the, 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 the full story, but Jesse Sobotar has had very similar experiences where she literally has this buffer between her that they, they, she's being protected and they, they, I mean, she would be dead by now. Right. I mean, she got your average whistleblower. She was being groomed to be the top. And one of the things that she said, and you'll see this if you follow her in her interviews, usually there's always somebody to take the line. Like Obama stepped in for Soros. Now Soros stepped down. I'm not going to get into all the, the generals and the hierarchy, but Soros has stepped down. Obama stepped in his spot in the, in the cabal. Um, Jesse said there was no replacement for her. Like she was the last one. And she said, that's why in my, my, you know, context, I think we're going to be into some serious shit because there's nobody that was being groomed to take my place. I was the last one. Take it for what it's worth, follow her. But um, a lot of the stuff you're talking about, it's a spiritual jurisdiction, but it's still jurisdiction. And those contracts you talked about make a deal with the devil. You know, we hear that literally we're making unconscious deals with the devil. And he said, wait a minute, contract law says you have to have meeting of the minds, competent parties, but they trick you into, you know, with the birth certificate, I, I, I could be another hour explaining that, but everything that that interview you did with, it doesn't matter if it's Australia, UK, Canada, it's the same scam they're doing with the birth certificate and the jurisdiction and we're chattel property and we're just being basically milked like cows until we're dead. So if you can get outside that jurisdiction, um, either legally, which there's plenty of paperwork to do that, you can get outside the jurisdiction or spiritually, it's a jurisdictional thing with the spiritual jurisdiction or legal jurisdiction. And the last data point is there's people that teach the paperwork to get out of the legal jurisdiction. I went down that path. I did all declaration of political status. I, I did all this stuff. The rubber meets the road when you say, can I enforce this? If, and you say, hey, I'm the guy with a gun. Matt's got the gun. Todd's guy say, hey, Matt, you can't touch me. I got this jurisdiction. Like, sorry, Todd, I got the fucking gun. What are you going to do? Unless you can proof that, right? Proof it and test it over and over and proof that, hey, Matt can't touch me. I've, I've, I've had friends with the cops. I, and I said, I don't consent to lawful search and seizure. You can't, I'm not giving you my license. When I give them the driver's license, that's consenting to their jurisdiction. I put it on the dash, put my hands on the wheel. And I said, it was like five, six years ago. I said, I'm, I don't consent to unlawful search and seizure, starting my fourth amendment right. And the guy got in my face. Are you one of them sovereign citizens? And I was like, I just held my ground. Your heart's beating. You know, they're going to shoot you, you know, whatever. And they said, we have discretion not to write you a ticket. I said, I know you do. And he said, have a nice day. But there's an example of asserting jurisdiction, but I didn't, I didn't contract with him. If I'd have handed over the license, he's gotcha. And who, who would know that? Because you're taught. So I'm all about jurisdiction, but I'm, I'm going to assert spiritual jurisdiction next time because the legal jurisdiction you're asserting, hey, I'm, not, I'm not in your jurisdiction, they have the guns. And it's either going to work. If you watch the YouTube videos and traffic stops, you'll see some guys win, some guys lose. It's hit or miss. You can't consistently exercise your, your jurisdiction or their lack of jurisdiction because you never know who's on the other end of the interaction. You might get an informed, you know, rural Canadian mounted police, state trooper. You might get a really uninformed, cocky, I got power over you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an example out of you. I don't give a fuck what kind of paperwork you have. And that's why I didn't want to take those odds. Right. So you could be right as a day as I was right as a day as long. When I did litigation, every one of my complaints were verified complaints, which means I swore under penalty of perjury. I was telling the truth, every one of them. 
didn't matter. So the jurisdiction is tied to the spiritual part. I want to, I want to be in that higher jurisdiction if that makes sense. So it does. How the heck do you get to that jurisdiction? And one of the things that I've learned, you know, one of my uh, people that I'm learning from, he remains in the private shout out, buddy, Gary. Uh, talk, I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm going to plug in my phone so you don't lose the connection. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you know, he quotes the Bible a lot and talks about how that's the framework. But one of the things he says, if, you know, you got to understand it's, it's commerce. And so to have standing in commerce, you need to remain in honor. And so yep. when you're, when you're talking to these people who are, you know, a lot of the time are bullies with guns, you need to remain honorable. Right. And it's the same thing with martial arts. If you get an angry person coming at you, well, I can get angry back. And then you've got basically two heads budding. Right. But in martial arts, if you move the energy or you do like a pattern interrupt or you just get out of the way, you can then take the conflict or the energy, right, that violent energy, the anger and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. Uh, if you go head to head, you can kind of explode it right with a, you know, with a match. But if you are able to maneuver the energy in some sort of way, you're going to really diminish that that conflict. And so if they come up and you treat them with honor and respect, uh, it, the chances of you getting dinged or thrown out of the car or something happening are a lot less. So that's one element to it. And then I just like to ask, you know, how do we get to these spiritual dur- jurisdictions? One of the things that I think about that's very simple is prayer, you know what I mean? And, and invoking, you know, the spirit of God and, and things like that. And it's interesting because I remember watching esoteric or, or learning about esoteric agenda and how the, they were hijacking the new age movement. And then, you know, it's kind of art of war, where you need to study the enemy. And so I've been into things like consciousness and peak performance and the spiritual realm and enlightenment. And I've read probably more nonsense, right? Then at one time I thought like, oh, this is the greatest stuff ever. But now I'm like, okay, that was probably some nonsense. But one of the smart things I did is kind of study Luciferianism and Satanism and understand what they push because I want to know the enemy. And that's my martial arts side, right? If I understand what you're going to do, are you coming to war? with me with a uh, spear, right? Or do you got nunchucks or do you have guns? It, it helps me to know how to defend myself to also talk it down, right? So we can not use violence, right? That's the whole point. That knowledge really helps me stay safe. If I know, you know, this thing is six feet long, I need to be seven feet away from you so then I can stay uh, peaceful and negotiate before, you know, the harm can happen. So that's the kind of idea. And in, in Luciferianism and Satanism, they push a lot of the um, new age stuff that might not give you the full yep. truth. And one of the things that I've been hearing recently is that a lot of that was to, to keep you away from the Bible, which again, like, cause I, I grew up a, a Christian, but I, I didn't resonate with the church because of the manipulation that I felt that like was going on and how can there be so many di- different denominations? And I still feel that way, but I feel like uh, there's something there with coming back to like, god the creator in whatever way that you understand that say you know what you know i am i am down with god the creator you know and this is my strength and my um invocation and the freemason spoke about that he said everything is distracting you from that because that's yeah if there is a satan and a lucifer there must be a god and i thought that was just so fascinating because i think even for me and my background i'm kind of like resistant to it right because i'm like i don't want to bow down to anyone but i feel like it's it's more like a spiritual force and that's how i've always seen it you know in martial arts they call it the, the Tao. but now as things keep getting progressively progressively stranger and weirder and more ends of end of times like it makes a lot more sense and i'm totally okay with you know the spirit of good you know if i the spirit of god the spirit of the creator whatever that case is and so you 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 have to willingly invoke that right you can't fake that you can't 
try to barter with it in some sort of weird way, you need to say, you know what, I'm on the side of the creator and God and good, you know, and invoke that jurisdiction and move forward because we know for sure we are going to die, but how do we live? And I like those quotes in the States, you know, I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees and things like that. And it doesn't, then it gets, you know, and then I kind of get sidetracked in my martial arts mind of when is violence. Okay. You know, it's always okay. I guess if you're protecting and that's kind of where we're looking at, you know, like you, you always go to peace. You always want to be peaceful as, as far and as long as you can. And, you know, when are we going to have some sort of solution here from a higher jurisdiction that says, look, there's a lot of harm going on. And that's where, for me, it's been a struggle my whole life to see this war and starvation. It never made sense that 9 million people a year could die of starvation. I had two channels and one of them was always showing people that were skin and bones. And I'm like, how expensive is rice? Why is this not sorted out? It made no sense. And years of study, I understand how it's architected deliberately and it's friggin' awful and it still pisses me off. And so at least this whole pandemic thing has kind of forced people to recognize something is not right because I've been telling people about this since I've been a teenager. People still don't listen to me. <laughs> you know, barely, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to address it. They just want to pretend and go on. It's like, no, we need to understand how this system works so that we can stop supporting it, you know, weed out these characters that are causing harm deliberately and build something that truly is beneficial to other people because there are humans that although they look the exact same, their philosophy and their way of life and their thinking is to harm and parasite on you. And we need to be aware of that. So if we can just say, stop it, you can go play over there, but enough of this crap. And the good news is these people are cowards. They want no light on them. They have no strength. They have 100%. no power. They have, you know, like you said, a little bit of light on them and they scurry like little you know, like little cockroaches, because that's the truth of what they are. And strength comes from God, the creator, dignity and spirit, you know, and that internal, um, you know, divine spark, I think that we all have that they're trying so hard to diminish. And, and the best way they do that is through fear. So even though this stuff can be frightening, you know, do your best not to be in fear, you know, have one more unit of courage than fear, because you might be afraid, but just have one more unit of courage. You, you know, there's there's a couple things you just said. They're so. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Cool. I just had to take my earbuds out and plug my plug my uh, um, uh, power cord in. So uh, it's interesting you said about that that psalm you were about. Though I traveled with the shadow of the valley of death, right? That's a very famous one. And you talked about having courage every day. Um, but real quick, you talked about uh, do do you go to war sometimes? You talked about honor dishonor. It's so funny, honor dishonor is a commercial term, right? It's in the uniform commercial code. I'm sure you know that. And you and you do act honorably. You know, when that cop, you know, two there's two cops, female and a guy, I didn't get belligerent. You know, I just said, hey, I don't consent. I was very calm. He, he they they were playing good cop, bad cop, literally. She was being the good cop, he was being the bad cop, and he kind of trying to alpha dog me and be cool with your parts, you know. But but if if you ask when you when you go to war, right? Um, I'm new to all this, but I, I, if anybody is interested and you want to start really learning, understanding the Bible and stuff and how it relates to like the day to day, I don't preach. I, I don't, I don't, it's not my thing. That, that rally in DC, I've never been to a political rally in my life. I'll probably never go again. I don't, it's not my thing. I just do every day. Right. Um, but I started listening to, I got an audio um, Bible app. It's like on, on uh, the app store, it's like a million downloads. It's one of the best ones. 
you don't lose reception somewhere. Anyway, I started the Old Testament and they were some ruthless people. I mean, I'm talking beheadings, killing, maiming, and God said so. And you ask about when to go to war. Not, I mean, I haven't gotten to the New Testament. I think the Old Testament's 39 books, New Testament's 29. I think I'm on, I'm on Psalms now, I went through Job. But from the beginning, Genesis, you know, Exodus, Leviticus. And I'm just, I sound like I know what I'm talking about. It's just because it's fresh in my head because I'm out in the woods for two hours a day with my dog. And I listen to, all, that's my time while I'm, if I'm not working, I'm humping through the woods with my dog and I listen to it. And it's, 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 it sticks better. I mean, I can't read as fast. I'm not a fast reader. Um, but my goodness, talk about eye for an eye. I mean, they were taking out entire armies. And, and if God said, hey, you know what? You're Pharaoh or Babylon or whatever they're doing wrong. You wipe them all out. So I'm totally cool. If I, if, if I, if I need to chop somebody's head off, I'll fucking do it. And I'm not saying that in a thug kind of way. It's like, you know what? If that's what it takes, I mean, look at the back in the days of the Revolutionary War. They were tarring feathering people, right? In the community square. You imagine if in, there was a video of some politician in Ukraine, crooked politician. They grabbed him and threw him in the dumpster. I don't know if you saw that. It went kind of viral. They threw trash on him. I mean, if, if I could catch one of those clowns coming out of the courthouse, whatever, and grab him and throw him in the dumpster, I would do it in a second. I wouldn't, I wouldn't beat the shit out of him. I would love to. Like, I'm, I'm sound being, being very honest here. I used to have dreams of like choking some of these guys with their own neckties because I was so enraged that, that that's what they were doing. You know, I can't tell you people were put in jail for not paying a credit card debt. Like I can tell you horror story after horror story using the courts to like really just destroy people. So I used to have those dreams, you know, I, I would I would crush them in a heartbeat, but not all of them were cowards. You know, if I could tell, tell some judge, hey, why don't we go out back? You kick my ass, I'll give you my house. I kick your ass, I'll take your job. But you, that's not reality. I would do it in a second. He might, he might kick my ass, whatever. But if we could deal with those things, how many people would be willing to do that? I would do it in a second. I guarantee there's millions and millions of people who would really, but most of them are cowards. They hide, right? And I'm not saying this in a cocky kind of way. I'm just saying that I would much rather do it that way because the, the whole system of getting justice is so broken, right? So I'm kind of answering your question. When you go to war, I think your gut's going to tell you, you know, if it's time to go to war, then we go to, and, and there's going to be casualties. I don't want it. I, I don't, you know, I've been there. I've seen that. Stuff. I don't want to get into all that stuff, but I've seen that stuff. It's not good. But if it comes to defending your home and your family, your children, at some point, I always tell my wife, she has a different line in the sand than I have. You know, we have different lines. At some point, you have to draw that line in the sand. If you cross it, come what may, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So I don't want to, I, I'll, I won't hurt a bug. I let ladybugs out of the house so they'll live. But if somebody attacks my family, I'll crush them or I'll die trying, try to stick a, you know, vaccine in my arm, you know, against my will. I think we all on this channel know what we would do, right? Um, but you talked about the spiritual aspect, the spiritual jurisdiction. I think you, the more you listen to Jesse talk about the how, the actual how, you've already kind of experienced it. I've experienced it. And I'm just scratching the surface. Like, I'm just, the more I listen to this Bible app every day, for like an hour or two. And then I go back to doing a spreadsheet and I'm doing a, a budget and looking at real estate deals. It, it totally changes my mindset on how I'm doing my day-to-day -day job, right? It, it totally is a frame of mind. It's like, whatever's gonna come today is coming. I got enough spiritual mindset. Cause you, you know, you turn away from dogma, right? You said all these different religions, that's about mind control, right? All the dogma, right? Whether it's Catholicism or Judaism or whatever, that's dogma. We all are like, no. no but spirituality, I think we all agree. And Jesse Zobardar talks about that. We don't, we don't buy the dogma, right? 
that's that's opiate for the masses. Um, but the spirituality is very powerful. And that I, I, I go about my day every day. I'm very peaceful now. I don't wake, I may still wake up at night, but I don't have the crazy dreams I used to have. I've got a, like a very peaceful way of going about my life now. Like I, I don't mind going to war if I have to, but I'm not looking for it. So I hope as P, if people go down this path and want to you know, research what I've shared, you'll kind of come to some of that peacefulness and say, hey, Bill Gates, whatever comes at me, just like Michael Flynn did. General Flynn, they persecuted him, and he's a very faithful man. I mean, look, they tried destroying him, right? And he said, if it wasn't for my faith, I wouldn't have gotten through that. So I have a very peaceful way of dealing with war and battle now. I don't know if that if that makes sense or not, but I think the more you start learning the spiritual stuff, you can go to war if you have to, but you're not, you know, we're all, we all get fear. I, I, many times, when I was working underwater, I was almost killed a half dozen times. You're fearful, but you still do what you have to do. And I think if people listening i tell my my daughters just practice a little bit of courage every day speaking up for something wrong if a friend treated you wrong just a little thing and it, it built you know you you do martial arts that little bit of courage every day builds and it's like building muscles so some of the things you talked about trigger things and i hope i'm kind of coming full circle and kind of saying back i was nodding as you were talking like yep yep you you, you were hitting everything i think that's the answer if that makes sense or some of the answers yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, I agree. You started off strong with the, like, I think it was like shoot someone, which, which is funny because I agree with that in the sense that like, we are having a lot of horrendous harm happening. Like the most horrendous atrocities happen to children, you know? And I think about that too. You know what I mean? If, if I had all these people up and I knew, you know, for sure. I'd be like, all right, you need to face, you need to face justice. I don't know what that is. I don't want it to be me. I don't want to be, um, you know, I don't want to have to go to war, but for what you did, you, you deserve the most severe punishment for ruining people's lives, for taking livelihoods from uh, parents trying to provide for their kids, right. Taking homes. Like you've seen all these things, like you deserve to be held accountable for this. And you were a weak coward hiding. So I want justice. I think that's what we, you know, you and I, what we both want. We all do. And, and, and I think that's what's happening here is like, okay, we're observing. Well, we will come and protect our home. If you try to stick a needle in our arm or whatever, we're going to do something. We're not just going to let that happen. We don't know what it is, but we're not going to just let that happen. And I think what we're observing in the world is this like, system of oppression and parasitical cowardness take as much as they can and then there's going to be like nope and then the whole masses and everyone's going to be like this is enough now you know what i mean you're not going to put the police on us you're not going to you know this is enough you know and then we'll know at each whether that's an individual thing in your home or it's a group mass thing or it's a mix of both or 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 maybe like one of the things i was thinking they want to destroy the roads in the States now because they're racist, of course. And, uh, you know, it definitely, definitely has nothing to do with uh, war. When first, first act of war is you take out the communications, hence the Correct. crazy amount of censorship going on. You can't even find the truth. Well, now you want to mess with the road supplies and the food supplies happening in Canada, then the deflation of the banks. Well, we're going to find you and we're going to hold you accountable, you know, whether it's in this realm or the spiritual realm, but what we know we can do is we can act in honor. And so if we know that these people are doing it right, like uh, that mass action in Arizona, just show up peacefully, you know, a hundred of you, right. Peacefully, but, but not backing down and not being intimidated by anything. So they start destroying the roads in the States and you have all these construction workers there show up and 10,000 people peacefully assemble. 
and say, nope, you know, use the spiritual realm, but do not be intimidated because that will be like, all right, well, if you're going to, you know, you're going to use arms against us. Well, that's why you have the second amendment is to prevent that, right? You don't go and, and try to take a Rottweiler's bone. If he's angry, you know, you just let him have it, right? right? You're not, you, you, that's his, right. That's his bone. You let him have that, right? Maybe he's got Rottweiler puppies. And, but what's happened is culturally, you know, there's been an attack on on the masculine. We're not having men stand up. It's all these, you know, women, more women are, are standing up than men. Yeah. So I think it's just standing in truth and for what's right to, to speak it out, to, to say something. I had a discussion with one of my buddies down in California. <laughs> it's like the Instagram live. He's an awesome dude. But it's like, I didn't realize when I was talking, it was like him because I was talking about wearing a mask. And I said, look, I understand that being in certain spots in the States is way more sketchy. I understand that. And I just know that for me, I think we need more courageous people uh, to, to not mask up, to not mask their kids. You know what I mean? To not do those things because we know what's the right thing to do, right? That's what courage is, right? You're not going to be courageous if it's not a bit frightening, right? Uh, if, if you jump off a one foot diving board, it's not scary. You jump off a hundred foot cliff, it's going to take some courage, you know? And so that's where we need to grow into as, as a civilization. We need to grow up and the law stuff and even harm stuff. It requires great accountability, Right. And so what's happening is we have these parasites and these evil people counting on this, like this passivity, this people not standing up, people not banding together, not speaking up when they see evil, you know, and saying, OK, well, it's just a local thing. Great. Well, these are the teachers. It's you, you and you. We're going to hold you accountable. Right. Whether it's through law, whether it's through mass assembly, whether through whatever the case is, call them out. Like you said, they do not like being called out. Right. Make sure your whole town knows, you know, everybody has the power to do something in their community. Right. Because you can go find these people there and just show up. We're going to hold you accountable and get 10, 20 people and don't let them off the hook. Write them consistently, because I do believe we can do this peacefully. And I feel like these people, because they are so uh, cowardly, they're not they don't want to go to war either, because they understand that if they try to attack, you know, peaceful people who are protecting their family, that's going to be a very strong spiritual force, you know, to be dealt with by whatever individual and also in some sort of spiritual realm type of scenario. Yeah. Well, you know, two other things I forgot to, to, to your point, um, at, and I'll put it on the telegram channel. There's another survivor of the MK ultra stuff. Her family's Illuminati. She was, she was ritualistically raped and abused, I think over a thousand times. Right. And, and she has recovered from it and her, I forget her name now, blonde hair, um, I'll put, I'll find her video and put it up here because she had did an interview with Jesse. I think she, her mission in life now is to waking people from the mass mind control. And that explains some of these behaviors, the mass mind. That's why I see somebody driving around with a car all alone with a mask on, right? Or walking down the street. I see people in the woods, I'm out in the, we have a wonderful park system here with horses. And I'm in the woods every day, seven days a week. I see people walking in the woods with masks on. And there's one lady I see in particular and I've, hurt other people she when she sees me in the woods or anybody else she puts her she puts her thing over her face and turns her back to you and steps off the trail she's that scared and this lady who's this mk ultra survivor talked about the mass mind control like people are mind controlled by the masses and that and i was like you know what that makes sense now it explains a lot of the behavior we see that this doesn't make any sense if they're mind controlled through whatever right 5g and the fluoride and just all the cumulative stuff that mind controls people, 
she, her mission in life, she said she'd recovered from that MK Ultra stuff and she was a sex slave for a year. I mean, her story stories are horrific is to, to break the mass mind controlling. And I'll find her, her channel and put, put her on the um, channel because that's really good to listen to her because she gives action steps on how to break the mass mind controls. So there's some more actionable stuff. And the other thing it made me think of, we talked about shining a light. If people want to do something locally beyond, you know, jurisdiction, protecting your assets, get the target off your back, but you want to speak up is if you have a target in your neighborhood, school board member, judge, there's one in uh, Oregon. who was the, I think the speaker of the house, it was one of the high up in the Oregon legislature just got arrested for child trafficking. I think it just broke the news today. I saw something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I say pick one target when I was doing my thing, I found fraud at three o'clock in the morning on a 424 B5 prospectus for a securities offering on page 220, footnote 37 and four point font. Like who has the time? If you're a mom, you got to make dinner, take your kids to soccer, go to your job, see your husband, read a book. Who has time to do what I did, right? So instead of trying to like find all the fraud, if you know somebody's crooked in your neighborhood, uh, a selectman, councilman, mayor, governor, if you can find one target and you've got a, either yourself or a study group, you have a couple of people in your neighborhood, you know, concerned parents or whatever, you find one target and you just focus on that target and you dig and you dig and you dig because some people, somebody asked me two weeks ago, how do you do the research? I said, well, look, they're a public servant. They've got records. They have to do public, like judges have to do public financial filings every year, right? You can look at um, any stocks they own, right? They have to do um, disclosures on their holdings to look for any conflicts of interest. Like I said, that covert operative told me that 80, over, I think 85% of intelligence gathers open source intelligence. So you start digging. And like I said, I wouldn't use Google because Google's been censoring. I knew a guy who had to flee the country 10 years ago. And he was telling me how much Google censors. That was a decade ago. But DuckDuckGo and, and um, some other search engines that don't censor like Google um, will be able to reveal, turn up some good search results. So if you have somebody you know is crooked in your neighborhood, a child protective services worker, whatever, focus on them. And you might not be able to like expose the whole cabal, but you can vote, you can expose one person. And that's to me is another action step. If you want to make a difference, you go after that one person in your neighborhood or your legislature, you know, is, and I, I'll give you an example. I won't say her name, but a lady I was helping with her house of foreclosure was part of the, the, her dad was part of the satanic cult in Maryland here. And she had escaped to Florida to get her brother away from it because they, they were being ritualistically abused. And um, she mentioned a couple of politicians like Congress people that were in the satanic cult in Maryland. And the one particular one was in, she was in Congress for 30 years, everybody loved her. And um, I, I'm not gonna say her name, but she said, yeah, she was regularly at these events when I was being ritualistically abused with all the satanic stuff and this, but many politicians were there. And we kind of know that, like we know it kind of globally, but she mentioned a very specific female Congresswoman who was at these things when she was being abused. So if you, if you, get, you get wind of that, and you go, hey, this judge, this judge is, you know, selling kids, selling kids to, to kitty jail for bribes. Pick that target and do, do not, do not let them go. Go at them dead on and expose their shit. And I think that is another action step I think is helpful, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think most people think they can't do anything. And just with you and a couple people, uh, you can definitely bring them down. You can figure out that action. But once, once one comes down, 
they start to think about it. You know what I mean? When it starts crumbling and that's how this has to work. And one of the things I kind of get annoyed by because uh, people prefer to keep their head in the sand, you know, and it's like, well, if no one's looking, that's, that's one of the things they're counting on. Uh, You know, another Bible quote, I think it's like the, I don't know if it's a Bible quote or a saying, but um, the greatest trick that the devil ever did is convince the world he didn't exist. And what I know from martial arts and other things is like, that's what they count on is you not looking is looking the other way because you don't want to stand up. But the second you lay eyes on them and you expose them, um, it just shows how weak they are and how they have nothing. This whole system is built on a house of cards. When you start to understand how this works and how frail it is and how they just use intimidation and, and fear and all these mind control tactics from education to TV, to media, to stars, to everything in between to literally create an artificial reality for you and all that's required is for you to see clearly first of all and then just take the action when it's there and you'll know the things just like when we're talking about war you'll know the things that are for you to support to say okay you know what this isn't a thing i can take action on and you can also um if there is some corruption you could go there but you can also look at you know where do we need support who can i help what can i do in my community that's going to provide values to others right and so then you're meeting like-minded people and you're with people who are solution-based because we've got this darkness and then we've got the light as well and so if we focus on building what we want that's going to empower us to say hey that thing is creating a lot of harm in our community let's go sort that out real quick right because we've created this great education for kids or something and this is safe and that is not safe let's go figure out what that is and like oh well this is you know a a dangerous pedophile in our area doing some sketchy things and he knows this judge so you know we've gotten together and we know this lawyer and blah 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 and now you can actually handle something over maybe a week or a month or a few months but you're kind of the neighborhood watch i know we had neighborhood watch in my area right you you know i my, my neighbors are great people i trust my neighbors i trust my kids with my neighbors and that's a beautiful thing right and so you know when we all work together that's what makes this possible and we need to be aware of what's going on and uh you know my last uh, coaching you know group I, i do a weekly coaching group with people and um a lot of people are afraid right like and i get into fear as well and i was going through some of the things of of how i deal with fear and and um, be more courageous because when you're an extreme sports athlete, you're constantly dealing with fear because if you mess up, your body's going to be toast immediately. Like you've got a very immediate reaction to something that could go wrong. And so one of the keys that I recognize is that you need to take reality for what it is. And so if I'm going to do a backflip over a 50 foot jump, it's a different reality than if I'm doing it over a 10 foot jump. And it's a different reality if I'm doing it over an 80 foot jump. And it's a different reality if it's an icy day. I just take reality for what it is. And so what's happening, I think, on a mass scale is people are just, they don't want to believe it could be so sketchy. But once they understand how it's built and what's actually happening, then we have the power to switch it and say, we don't want that anymore. We don't want this deceptive system. We don't want people in our governments and lawyers dictating what our kids can do, wearing masks at school, having people outside your control do uh, medical intervention on your kids, untrustworthy organizations. So we know that now let's go build the opposite, but we first need to take reality as it is. And I feel like that's going to be the first step for a lot of people. And then it's okay. Participating in the solution. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the pieces of that too, Matt is, is, we, I mentioned fellowship earlier in the call. In your local, you talked about local area community watch stuff. Definitely in the, in the States here, I don't know if they do it so much in Canada too with your flag, but in the States here, I was taught, you know, several years ago, look for the other patriots. 
because there's patriots in Canada, there's patriots in Europe, you know, where, there's patriots everywhere. The more you can connect with, you, you said you, you're, you have a good relationship with your neighbor. The, the county that I live in, in Maryland, is um, pretty left for the most part. But the, the I mean, I'm sorry, the state, but the county I live in is pretty the other direction. So when you cross over that border into Harford County, I know I'm in, I'm in God's country. Like I'm half joking, but I'm half serious, right? Farmers, you know, cows, guns, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a big gun guy, grew up with guns, but Trump, Trump flags, people saw their Trump flags up, American flags. And I was taught years ago, like always look for the people hanging American flags. And it's funny when I, um, on Sunday mornings, I play an old guy lacrosse. And I played lacrosse since I was a kid, but I played an old guy, a bunch of fat guys running around playing lacrosse on Sunday mornings. And when I drive up to Norrisville to that town, it's amazing how many, the further north I get, I leave my house, how many Trump flags, American flags. And, and one of the guys is a Navy SEAL. He's got a Navy SEAL flag hanging from his, when the wind's blowing, you can see it. And I saw somebody last week at flying a flag. They had the Punisher flag. And the Punisher is kind of the, you know, the, the, the superhero and the, it's the skull with it. And that's part of the whole Q thing. And I was like, note to self, that's, if shit ever goes sideways, <laughs> I know where to go. Just like in your neighborhood, I think everybody in this call say, hey, start learning who my neighbors are, learning who is a patriot, that, that whether it doesn't matter, Canada, Germany, wherever you are, learn who your neighbors are that have your same values and start talking to them, meeting with them because they're strength in numbers, right? And I think you might not agree on everything. I've got a guy I see in the woods, business guy, sold his business, retired, good guy. He's total about the vaccines. And he thinks I'm an asshole for not getting it. I said, you're an asshole for getting it. <laughs> but we agree, we agree on like 90% everything else, but we don't agree on the vaccine. I said, dude, you're probably shedding right now. Stay the fuck away from me with your vaccine. And I give him shit, right? But we, we agree on most things. So we might not agree on everything, but if you can catch your neighbors and agree on what do we have in common, you know, our kids or schools, or I think there's real strength because we're so disconnected. You know, you're in Canada, I'm in the States, but we're, we're connected, but we're not physically connected. I think if you connect with your local people in your neighborhood, and as an example, you said your barber, my barber too, they're cool. I went to get um, uh, mulch, it's spring here, right? We're, we're mulching and, and I was went to the place down the street and I pull up and I said, and hopefully it takes us the wrong way, but I said, hey, it was it was the dyed black mulch. I said, hey, can I get a yard of black mulch? He said, you can't say that here. And we started laughing. He was saying it joking. And I said, what are we an endangered species? And we had talk, we spent an hour talking about culture, woke cancel culture he said and he, he knows trump he he's, he's like he's like rome fell and he wasn't too optimistic about it but i never met this guy before yet everybody that came to this landscaping place they've been there for 40 years not one person had a mask on moms kids dads you know everybody was cool and when i got done checking out his wife said you guys saw the problems of the world i said not really we tried but here's a random guy never met him before just went up to get some mulch and we end up talking for an hour about stuff. So there's people around you, right, that, that you might not even know, share your values. And the more you, and it just put a smile on my face that day, I think for both of us, because right down the street now, I know I can get mulched and not get hassled, right? I can go to get my hair cut and not get hassled. I can go to certain restaurants and walk in without a mask. And people stare at me, but I'm like, yeah, I'm not wearing a mask. And how stupid is I can take the mask off of my table, but I can't have it off walking to my table. How fucking stupid is that? But and people look at you, they're hunched over their beer at the bar with no mask. They see me walking like, what's the difference? I'm walking to my table and you're having a beer. It's just stupid. Do you guys realize how mind controlled you are? 
Yeah, and some of them, and some of them too, they don't even recognize that you know they don't understand the law or the mandatory. They're they're actually in curiosity. So you have a lot of these levels of of what people are observing, right? So you know, I I don't wear one either, and I can kind of catch when people are like, you know, and I'll see their kind of like demeanor, and I and I educate them. And I've had a couple of people like, oh, you don't have to wear the mask. I was like, no, this is how it works. There's exemptions. You don't have to wear one. So you know, one person at a time. A lot of people are just doing it because they don't want to rock the boat. A lot of people in the middle, they're just they don't want to rock yeah. the boat. You got some super Karens out there that happen probably more in the states than in Canada, but you know, in Vancouver, actually, I think there's quite a few in Toronto um, as well. But, you know, for the most part, I think it's a lot of people on the in the middle and just like curious how you're doing it because they just want to they think they can't eat unless they obey what their, you know, father or God, the government, you know, tells them to do. Yeah. And you know, the, the party thought in that whole fellowship thing is I've got friends here in this area, you know, white, black, young, brown, you know, purple, blue. And some of them are thinking kind of left. My girls went to Montessori school, like I said, since they were little. A lot of left-leaning people, but it's interesting when you start having conversations about commonalities, what do you have in common? It's amazing how much more we have in common than we don't. And I, when I talk to a lot of older black people, they, they know this whole thing is a ruse. Like they've been pitting us against each other because we, we, we live near Baltimore, Baltimore, Philadelphia, historically African-American, and they've been blaming whitey for their problem. And it's amazing how many people I talk to, like, you know what? We know our politicians are playing us. So it's amazing. Some people are afraid to have that race conversation, right? Or transgender or whatever. If you start having a conversation, amazing how many people share very similar values. You might not see eye to eye on one thing, but 70% of it you do. And I think that expands your network of people you agree with now. You might say, you know what? I'm white, they're black. I'm not going to have a conversation because I, George Floyd, I know this is fucking, don't, if you think the other way, wait a minute, maybe they want to have a conversation about this. I think it opens more people to growing your network. You might have commonality on certain things. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it just comes down to the golden rule. You know, you treat people yep. with respect and dignity. Yep. And and it's interesting how many people are, you know, waiting for that conversation. You're not going to hit all, all of them, but I've, I've met a lot of people, you know, in this thing that you want to support their business. Like you talked about alternative yep. commerce and supporting those. And it's like, okay, you don't want to support, you're supporting slavery and, you know, this oppression and people that find, I just not going to participate with you. I'm going to go over here. You know, I'm not going to give you my business. So um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think community is incredibly important. Uh, we've been going for like a couple hours now, you know, I could probably talk to you all night and, and we'll have to get you back on the show because I know that we're at the beginning of this and, and speaking with people like you, uh, it, it gives me hope. And so, um, is there anything else that you wanted to share and feel free to embellish and, and continue as long as you wish, but is there mm -hmm. anything that you want to, uh, finish with or anything important you, you didn't share? No, I think, you know, if, 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 and my, I just want my battery went down to 10%. I've got it plugged in, but for some reason it dropped back down. I don't want to lose in the middle of the conversation. It might be a good time to wrap it up because I don't want to lose my battery. Um, if, if you ever want to do, you know, a deep dive into the jurisdiction stuff, like the technical aspects of how to assert jurisdiction, it's it's not an overnight kind of thing. Like there, it, you have to basically break all the contracts. That might be a different conversation for a different time, but I just hope tonight kind of, like I said, we've been on for a while. I hope everything that we talked about that you and I both shared is helpful to people that might not have heard about Jesse or about jurisdiction or about trusts or about neighbor. Hopefully the stuff that you and I talked about is was something new for somebody tonight. That's, that's my party thought. I hope so. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of going through, uh, 
yeah, Beth, Beth is on here. I was thinking the same thing. We're doing a law summit. So uh, if you want to come in there and help us with the jurisdiction, so many people are looking in law uh, and it's interesting going down that rabbit hole because people who have studied it, they become more spiritual. It's an, it's just a fascinating thing. So I think just, they're, they're, I think they're intertwined, right? I yeah. think those two things are intertwined. Yep. Cause it should be, if it's spiritual and it's the Bible, it's about right versus wrong. Right. And we look at these things that, you know, righteous people, they don't want to harm other people. And that's why, yep. you know, we can be taken advantage of because people who are trying to harm us are trying to take advantage of us. They're, they're attempting and manipulating to cause harm. You know, we don't think that way, you know? And so that law of like standing strong is like, Hey, you know, you know, you can't harm me. And what they're doing is they're harming people in the worst way, taking their houses, not giving them livelihood, not giving them an opportunity to uh, thrive. What's that American saying? I don't know, like be able to build and prosper or something. What is it? I don't know. It's not um, Star Trek, live long and prosper, but it's a pursuit of happiness. There you go. The pursuit of, ha- but what else isn't, is it just a pursuit of happiness, but is it like livelihood and, and health and wealth or something? Yeah, I, I can't life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. There you go. Yeah. That's and they're the, destroying yeah. that, right? They're yeah. literally yeah. destroying that. It's bullshit. And so pisses me off as a martial artist and as a human being, you know, I, you know, I, I was going through, uh, somebody said, look up my name and it said like Bel Air, the meaning of Bel Air, the motto, I'll make sure. Cause I just glanced it, but it said like a lover of the virtuous. And it's like, I do love virtuous people. And on the flip side, evil people piss me off and people, they really make me mad. And i just want to yeah. like, you know, destroy them, <laughs> but it's not, that's not, I, you know, that puts me in the anger paradigm. Right. So, so rather than putting my energy there, because like the Buddha saying, you know, you hold the, hold the flame and you get burned. I want to direct that energy to beautiful people, finding solutions, people like you that, yes. Hey, if I got land in Canada, you're welcome. You know, you got some stuff. We'll come over here. We'll share, we'll support each other. We'll build it. We'll build a community. And so as the world burns over here, you know, if they come right into my zone, and they and they don't give me another option they're going to get the full force of everything that i've got and and you know side note to bring it up but when i was looking at the stuff in the in the states when your election was stolen i was like holy smokes this is nuts back in the day you used to be able to challenge the other guy to a duel you know that but so they don't have that anymore because these cowards don't allow it because guess what if you were righteous and you were doing evil stuff to the citizens you were supposed to protect, the coward is not going to offer the duel, right? Yeah, and you know, the, the party thought there, Matt, you're right. That's how Alexander Hamilton died. He, he, um, he and Aaron Burr had a duel, and Alexander Hamilton was the first Treasury Secretary. He died dueling Aaron Burr, what you're talking about. Was one, I would did take, the good guy win or the bad guy win? It all depends, it all depends who you listen to, because Alexander <laughs> Hamilton was a big fan of the central bank. Right. So some say he was a, he was agent of Rothschild, who knows, but he was our first treasury secretary and he died in the duel. So some people, but he wrote the, he helped write the Federalist papers as well. So he, I think he was a little bit of both, you know, um, <laughs> but, but I would, you know, I talked about earlier, I would, if, if I could duel today or go out back behind the courthouse with a judge and go toe to toe, I would, I would take my chances. It's, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Because, you know, so like, you know, you, you get the opportunity with somebody who's harming kids or, or you know, you're uh, you Correct. know that they're Correct. architecting this is like your business yep. in life is to architect harm on another person. Yep. I'm I will gladly take accountability to, you know, 
physically go after it. And that's why it's like, it's this challenging thing. Cause it is a whole spiritual realm and a lot of people are getting yeah. harmed and good people like you and I get pissed off about that. And so we just wanted to stop by any means necessary and, and be held accountable, you know, and, and they, and I think, and I hope if you look at the Bible and you look at these other things, they will be held to account, you know, maybe not in this realm, maybe not in this life, but they're not getting out of this. And, uh, you know, that divine spark that's in all of us, it, it, we're going to, we're going to come together and we're going to sort this out and it's going to require, we, we put down our hate, we put down our differences, we treat each other with the golden rule and things like that. And if somebody is not doing that, just having compassion for their brainwash and their situation, honor their life, but knowing you don't have to participate to it, but don't be a coward to it just because they're afraid and don't yeah. walk around and live your life in fear of all these super Karens that don't know anything, right? They don't know they're trying to abet fascism and you're, they don't know that, right? So it's like, don't be afraid of it, you know, stand in your own strength. It's going to take, it's going to take courage, but you know, you walk with uh, the life force, the creator, the thing that wants to help build and grow life. You're not supporting a parasite, you know, so don't obey to parasites. Yeah. And, and you know what? Tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah. Well, tomorrow morning, <laughs> we're, we're all going to wake up, right? We're going to wake up tomorrow morning. And we have a choice to make, right? Literally tomorrow morning, we have choices to make. How can I be courageous tomorrow? One, one little thing, right? There's an action step tomorrow morning. We all wake up and we have a chance to be courageous tomorrow or helpful or whatever that's i think that's it might seem a smut minor thing but that minor thing can have a ripple effect right so that's hopefully that's a party thought there totally and now more than ever right like you just being kind and being and compassionate and standing in honor and you know not yep. wearing a mask and doing the right thing it's going to have a bigger ripple and that's where it's going to start and you know it's kind of like a pendulum we've swung all the way over and people are like almost done with it so we're just the first ones and then it's going to be a tidal wave of 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 energy and force for good i so, I, I i agree because everything is so upside down now that pendulum is like way almost at the end of its arc, right? I agree with you 100%. I think things are so upside down. Something's got to break soon. I believe that. Yep. Well, Todd, this has been fantastic. If people want to find you, I've, I linked your telegram in the chat. Is that where you post information? Do you have a website? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do, but I mean, it's, it's all real estate stuff. I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn or if you want to private message me on Facebook, you know, Todd Wetzelberger, like I said, I don't, I don't post on Facebook. I'll message private messages, but Telegram is pretty secure. Because, you know, a matter of fact, that friend of mine that's a state delegate, she had to get off the signal because she knew signal was, you know, compromised. Like, I can't be a politician and be on signal. So Telegram to me is kind of, you know, Messenger is part of Facebook. So pretty much my go-to is Telegram and Gab. I don't really go on Gab much, but Telegram and Gab to me are the most secure free speech places to communicate. So I'll, I'll post some more links in the freedom and free markets. Feel free to download those trust documents. I'll put the links I think we talked about tonight and hopefully that is valuable to people. And I don't update it very often, but I, every time I see something valuable, I'll put it on that, that telegram channel and I hope it, hope it, you know, serves everyone. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was looking through the comments and people really love this one and I really enjoyed it as well. So just appreciate you and your work and, and, and what you're sharing, you know, that, that level of mastery is so important right now. And I know there's a lot of other people like you out there and a lot of people who have that same spirit. You know, so it's that it's that spirit of freedom and goodness and a better world for everybody and the children to come and all this kind of stuff with, you know, the knowledge base. And so there are going to be solutions that pop up and, and then we'll participate in those and we'll stop participating in this uh, madness because it's going to get like you and I think it's probably going to get rockier. 
And so, you know, if we've got a solution going, people are going to be ready to participate in that, even if it's not fully formed or whatever the case is, we'll get through it together for sure. hundred percent. Thank, thank you again. I'm so glad. I think it happened for a reason, right? Thank you for connecting. And thanks for, you know, hopefully it was helpful tonight. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, thanks everybody for watching. We'll get Todd back and uh, have a great night. Have a good night. Thanks, Matt. See ya. Peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely incredible Todd Wetzelberger. This episode was just truly phenomenal. Todd's an amazing human being. I invite you to share this episode as far and as wide as you can. Share from Libsyn, on Odyssey, on Rockfin. Um, join the Academy, mattbelair.com, to get f uh, exclusive and censorship-free episodes because, you know, it's getting deleted. I'm on two strikes on YouTube. Uh, Patreon wants me to delete accounts, uh, delete episodes, so they're, they're in on the act, so they're doing Doing everything that they can to not let this information out because the nice thing is is it's built on a house of cards we have all the power so we just need to be aware of what they're trying to do so we can build something better and not consent to the nonsense um, that doesn't have the highest good of all so we need to navigate these times with clarity with truth with honor with dignity with strength um, but most importantly don't get stuck in fear they want you to be afraid they want you to think you're alone uh, they want you to think that there is no hope and all of those things are completely untrue because humans are amazing. We have the divine spark, the divine will um, within us, and we're going to cooperate and we're going to overcome any kind of nonsense that these guys are uh, throwing at us and it's unraveling quickly, quickly. So we just need to participate, know what to do and participate. So check out Todd's Telegram group, uh, Freedom and Free Markets on Telegram. I'll link that up. He, he has the uh, how to do a trust. I invite you guys to check out the law summit myself and beth martins are doing uh go to mattbelair.com sign up for the email list uh join the uh, membership portal if you can you can do so by donation or even free if you need it supports the show helps it get out there leave a review uh sending prayers is great if you want to send some good vibes and, and some actual prayers i'll 100 take those and really be uh grateful and if you're looking if you're in a transition and you want to learn tools for knowing your life purpose connecting with spirit uh being fearless and courageous uh and anything like that check out soul compass course check out the quantum heart hypnosis or apply to join the atomic alchemy mastermind coaching group uh, very empowering people in there all voting for your success so you know knowing your life purpose and what to do is not the hard part the challenging part is uh, staying on that path as you navigate all the things that life will throw at you and doing it in a way that you can be peaceful and joyous and content and happy as you navigate all the challenges of life. And so if that sounds interesting to you, would love to work with you. Go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and would love to learn more about you and your story. And if you want to collaborate in any other ways, uh, you know, if you got projects, we're, we're really connecting to some empower, empowering people all across the world who are being the change that they want to see so if you want to get involved and volunteer or anything like that just hit me up would love to hear from you so that's it let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we end this episode uh, wherever you are in the world to stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace joy contentment courage inspiration connection and ready to enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.